Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode five of the Top End Talk podcast. And I'm lucky enough today to have Ross Bolin uh, join us and uh, Paul Rookie Rook. I'm here. As we know. And uh, another special guest we've got today is the old boy. Um, he's come up to visit me, so we've unfortunately had killer over in Bali and couldn't make it. So uh, Harry Perkins, a lot of our listeners probably know the old boy. So we uh, welcome Ross and Harry to the uh, studio. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having us here. Not a drama at all. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, good to catch up with you, Rocky. Uh, like- Same, mate. Yeah, 20 years, I think, since I've seen you down in the home village. But Yeah, uh, it has been a long time, mate. Believe it or not, you haven't changed a bit. No, 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 I've stayed the same. I'm probably just got a little bit more weathered, been dragged along the road by my feet, so my head's on the ground. So, But it's all good. Still just as loud, eh, and don't stop talking. No. Yeah, yeah, that's no. what I said, it hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 and nice to meet you, Ross, myself, mate. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Um, it's great to come out and support another group that's interested in motorsports as much as you guys are it's uh, not always easy to get the exposure that that we want and think we sometimes deserve yeah so uh, i'm keen as mustard have a yak yeah i think um just one of them things i sort of um and you've probably heard on a previous podcast killer sort of come up with the idea and i pretty much ran with it i um yeah quite enjoy motorsport and i actually quite enjoy listening to just different areas that you've never been involved in um have had a little bit more to do with the off-road scene. But, um, you know, Rossi's won the other week. Just a few things that you knew nothing about. So yeah. So incredible to learn. And obviously probably, um, like, l- let our listeners know they're probably in the same boat, never knew nothing about that motorsport. And or even people that are from the NT that are actually yeah. going and doing these events. And it's only a small minority. Like, there might be a little bit of a mention in the local paper or a little bit on social media. So another, another avenue of being able to get people out. You know, you're right there. I think um, it, the media doesn't always look after what we think is the fun, and, and we certainly enjoy it. There's no doubt. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Because you're not there to make money. No, really. that's correct. That's correct. And yeah. um, it, we're lucky to have so many businesses that support us doing our little ventures, and it it really does go around. And it's hard for people to, to get out there. And I hope we'll we'll get a quick chat about some of the other things that I think are important with uh, motorsports, and and that'll be in around some of the preparedness. You know, mm. getting your, yep. your psyche right and certainly for some of the younger crews that, that need to get in there and, and work out how to get their mental health right to deal with the motorsports aspect, also their physical health. I think that's a big thing that uh, it's easier to wash away and yeah. I, I yep. laugh um, about some of the things we see some of our crews do, but it's a really big part of it and certainly when we do some of the endurance and uh, a lot of motorsports still happen here in the top end, right through the whole wet season and dehydration's an issue and as soon yep. as you're dehydrated you you're, you're spent so you're gone yeah, that's right crash. yeah yeah to deteriorate fast so i know we um we talk a, a lot about it at work you know we emphasize the fact that um hydration is so important and and i've always said and in uh Carrather, i was a supervisor there and and i just said to the boys um if you start your day off dehydrated you're already behind yeah you know, like, you, it's you going to be hard to catch up so that's right so try and start off try and get the water in early and, and stuff yeah. like that so yeah. no you are right it is and but even in cold climates you still got to be able to keep as much moisture uh, fluid as it you is can and it's hard to drink in the, in the cold climates yeah like in the winter here you find yourself hardly even having a, a drink of water at all well we'd be riding down like because pretty much everyone here except for you ross is all from down southwest um, bottom of that, Oz, 
down in the Otways and you go riding down there, it'd be snowing in some areas and you still got like a three-litre camelback and you still got to try and drink it because you're sweating. Yeah, you're right. It's, And I appreciate the fact you, you sort of pin me as just the Territorian. But, um, no, but I've, only, I've only been here 26 years, I think. Only. Only. I've been here trying to work that out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm from, from south and, and I spent some time in Alice Springs as well, yeah. as well which is where I got into off-road yeah. racing. And come the winter months, or even if you go to where my wife is from England or yeah. my daughter is in New Zealand, as soon as you go cold, you, you stop drinking. Yeah, you do. And then all of a sudden you find you crack lips, you're dry, yeah. you're dehydrated, you're not thinking right, and everything else in your body, your gut starts you start playing up. headaches. You're getting headaches. So the same, when you get into sports, you go into the winter, you were talking about snow riding, and that'd be wicked. I'd really love that. That's cool. I'd probably crash a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not great on a bike, but you're still putting on your jacket and all your protective gear, and you're sweating on the inside anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so if you're not keeping that hydration up, you're, you're really up against the wall. That's what I mean. Every time you're breathing out, you're still, there's still moisture coming out of your body. Yes, definitely. And like, because you're not taking any in, the air's, like, even if it's snowing, it's still dry. And um, like you're sweating, you're still losing it. So it well, doesn't matter what climate you're in. The Fink, we're probably going to get to talk about that at some yep, stage. Absolutely. The, the Fink Desert Race is notoriously a freezing cold event. Yeah. And you don't tend to hydrate as much as you would like so most people go it's coffee time bacon and eggs time first thing in the morning shove that in your head because cars yep. unlike the, the lazy little bikies they leave in the afternoon nearly <laughs> cars we leave and yeah you know, cracker early we've got sign on at like 5 30 in the morning and, mm. and it's very it can be yep. minus four at yep. that stage yep. 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 you don't want to start <clears throat> sucking on some drinks yeah which is what you need to do so and I certainly don't. I, I'm a bit naughty there. I, I a little bit starve myself of food and water just before I get in the driver's seat because um, you don't want to need to pee. Nah, when you're actually halfway down. down. Yeah. That track rattles your bladder pretty badly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't mean, you know, you get to the other end, you've got to really then punch in the hydration. And yeah. most people do like having a bit of a shandy when they can. But um, it, keeping that hydration up and even what you do before in getting some of your proteins right and things right. So we'll, we'll talk about that more, I suppose, as we yeah. go. Yep. If I get to stay that long. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you'll be right. No, you'll that's right. good. All it's good. good. No, that, um, I was really looking forward to this when you um, hit me up and then, uh, yeah, flip yep. me a bit of info. I'm like, this is going to be a good one. So I might as well just kick it like right back off the roots and... And tell us where you you started life off, and and then we'll go into you know, how you got into what you did, your previous racing history, and then what you got you into racing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was talking to these two Victorians earlier this morning, just out here, and <laughs> <laughs> the old fellow and the young fellow here, and I quite like them so far, so that's all right. Um, I started my life. I was born in Adelaide. Um, we lived in the River Murray, yep, beautiful part of the country, and uh, moved to a, a lesser place called Port Augusta where I did most of my schooling um, and from there I, I joined the army when I was 16. Yep. So I don't think you hear about that as much anymore nowadays, people that are starting really intense careers so early so um, I think I'm pretty glad that I did but I wasn't do they, real do the, Does the army take people that age? Any, like is, I don't know anymore. Like I sort of, I, I think I'd it's eighteen. Think is their limit yeah, nowadays. I think they yeah, sixteen not. seems young now, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for that. So we, I'm glad we did. I, I wasn't an academic. I'm still not an academic, no. despite some of my careers that I've done. Um, 
I'm very much pictorial, a hands-on person. So doing a trade as a, a mechanic or a heavy diesel fitter suited me. So the family shoved me off into the army um, and we went to Albury, Wodonga, which is closer to where your dad yep. currently yep. lives. Yeah. And uh, two years down there and learned how to do all the military side. Um, we then learned our trade pretty intense before we moved on. And um, everyone around us was 16, 17 years old. Mm. It was just a, a base, 3,000 people, young people. Yep. Um, so it was pretty intense learning. And yep. a lot of people then even, which you don't recognise until now, um, suffered probably from homesickness. And yep. Touching on that, are you still mates with a lot of those people that you went and did all that training with? Not close. No. But the advent of Facebook um, has certainly made a lot more of us close. Yeah. So yep. I had some of my trade tickets tidied up uh, by Cornelius, he's one of my classmates. He runs a business that does that. Yep. Ironically, he didn't keep his trade running, but oh, uh, he and his wife set up a business, and they were two army apprentices that ended up getting married. Um, there's there's people that I speak to randomly around the country, and in a week's time, our forty fifth class apprenticeship um, has a, a reunion. But yep. uh, I'm going to be nicking away overseas <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. a bit of fun. Yep. So we, we loosely do, yep. but maybe I'm alone. I don't, I don't necessarily cling on to... No, 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 onto the past. No, no, no. But it's just interesting how sometimes there'll be some industries or where people go down to do what they're going to do for a job. You notice how some people, like, especially if you played footy when you were a kid, you sort of keeping your, oh, yeah, no, I used to play footy with that person. Some industries, like I've just noticed that Defence Force, a lot of them sort of stay in touch a lot more. The, apprentice, the apprenticeship scheme... I've found through my entire career has had links. Everywhere I go, I run into another apprentice, whether it's the exact year that I went through yep. um, or not. And for the army guys, it used to be you're an either an odd or an even, and that's an odd number, 40, you know, being a 45th or an even being a 44 or similar. Yep. And you'll stumble across them mm. everywhere and it'll start a new conversation. Yeah. And it does lead to doors opening up for you. So I don't dismiss and that. And that's what I was going to touch on a little bit later on with connections. Yeah. 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 My current job, I don't say... So I I run my own business. Um, I'm a heavy diesel fitter, fixed plant, whatever title you want to put at it. But um, the company I core sort of slave myself to... um, When I first went in there to do the first job for them, I, I threw down a... They had an issue um, and basically said, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll come and have a gander. Yep. If, if I can't fix it within the first two hours, I'll walk away. Anyway, I managed to sting him a good lot of money um, for fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I met, then they had another issue, like literally less than 24 hours after fixing this machine, they burnt the thing down. And so it was back to square one. I came in and... Um, met with one of the senior managers from down south. This older fella, uh, his name's Foxy, and um, we're chatting away for about less than a minute. I'm doing my thing, telling him how I'm all good. I'm, you know, I'm the best bloke for the job, of course. <laughs> selling yourself. Yeah, selling myself. Exactly. And, um, and I find out he's ex-army apprentice, like a 26th class or something, like yep. a real old dog. I'm not, you know, and... 
Yeah. That's all we spoke about for yeah. the next half an hour. We yeah. didn't talk again about whether the, I could do the job, the job or, or not. not. Yeah. 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 And so we talked and without a doubt, my, you know, I still had to fix it. <laughs> so, so I had plenty of room to make a, a balls of the whole deal. Yeah. But um, that was the last time we talked about whether or not I could do the job. Yep. And yeah. um, obviously had that instant trust in you knowing yeah, your background was, is, and, mm. and the same as obviously the background he'd had. Yep. Yes. You know? Yeah. And straight away that, that odds and evens came out and I was like, yeah. Oh, but it's just sure. those connections and that was where I was sort of like, sort of we'll push on it a bit more later on, but it's amazing how you being doing what you do with your trade and the same as with you, Harry, especially with like farming down south as well. You sort of, if you know someone that already is doing that job or can do it, like someone that you're going to come and get some bailing done or you're going to be able to supply some steel, you always go to someone that you know or is being recommended by one of your friends. Yep. And that's how I found that um, I got a lot of my little bits of help along the way and that's how I'd say that like a majority of it, just people knowing who, oh yeah, that person, this person here, he's looking for a bit of a hand. It's amazing how many connections can actually help you get along the way, with, which is what your next sort of thing that you want to go and do again. So just being able to um, get, I suppose, help. Yeah, well, certainly the motorsports has worked that way as well for us. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you guys um, have have found the same thing. Absolutely, Those, that Big group time. of connectivity, and mm. I hope young people can, and 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 some of us older blokes can learn that. If you play a, a good game and uh, you treat people with great deal of respect throughout the industry you're playing in, yep. whether that's your trade or whether it's your motorsports or even if it was your AFL or any of those other weird sports, you know, <laughs> if, you, um, if you give it a lot of respect to the people around you, it'll go a long way, I think. And I think... I know for a fact a lot of people let themselves down when they don't respect themselves or the people around them and wonder why sometimes they struggle with things. And yeah. I've seen that at Chariots, you know. Um, Benny Atkinson Jr., I think, had a rear diff issue. They were fixing that, you know, that team. They were jumping over. They were throwing parts to another one. Um, mm. I think it might have been Brock Hallett or something. They had issues as well. They were, they were all Their crew was helping him once the other car was done and... It's it's just like one of them industries, you know. Like you want you want people out there. You give what you can. I, I know the Carlson's girls talked about racing um, in there side by side down at one of the Alice Springs on one of their very first events, and and the, the Can Am shit a front diff. Another person had a front diff. Said here we'll help you to throw it in, and, mm. and they were all new to the off road industry, but they all just gave him the uh, gave Aaron and. And the diff, and, and they helped put it in until yeah. late that night just so they could get out racing again the next day. And it's just all that networking, in it, keeping people racing and helping each other out wherever you can. It's, it's a pretty good segue, really, isn't it? I think it has so many links and correlations to your working environment and how you conduct yourself day to day. You go to motorsports and you carry that same spirit across. You will then see some of the best... Uh, in humans that you can see amongst yeah. our sport. Yep. And I saw some of what you're talking about with chariots. I was down there having a sticky beak. Mm. Um, I go to not all the motorsports, but I go to a lot. I've, yep. I've been, yep. everyone seems to somehow know me. <laughs> and uh, I saw them. The guys were changing the complete engine on one of the 410s. That was amazing to watch. Um, but then there was another car getting absolutely stripped. And you're right, parts were getting chucked left, right and centre. And you're going, 
that shirt doesn't belong with that car. Yeah, and yeah 100%. I think did. they'd done Hallett's engine in 14 minutes or something. Yeah, no. I know it was quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch all of it and I was like, wow, that is, that is seriously oiled, that, yeah. what they've gone. And yeah. they did an amazing job yeah. and to get back out there and have a, have a blast as well. But they do that. It's, I think that's a great part of our sport is that motorsports tends to be interconnective. Yeah. You still have all the same uh, committee issues that you have with netball as much as you have with football. Absolutely. Have that within the speedway, the mud racing, the um, any of the off-road. There's always those issues because it's not easy to be a volunteer and stepping forward. And they all rely on those volunteers. So yeah. sometimes um, people's get in the way of each other. Yeah, and I think sometimes you get... Um, I would almost say that every sport has, uh, you know, motorsport or, you know, ball sports, however you want to talk about it, has the people that don't like change and the people that do like change. And I think sometimes that's the biggest issue is, you know, someone might have been a, a committee member for 40 years, you know, and he doesn't want to see their jumps get bigger or, you know, um, more technical in, in a motocross world for us, I suppose, is where I've dealt with it the most, but... You know, and then you get new fresh blood in and they're like, hold on, we're watching all this stuff on TV, you know, and they've got some cool rhythm sections. We, we want to do that. That's, yeah. what, that's where it is now. But you, you get where um, some people don't want to change and, and new ideas do want to change and you always have that bit of a clash in um, committees when it comes to that. So, No, I think you're right there too. Um, been involved in a few committees, I, I see that. Um, talk about, if we wish to talk about volunteers, I'd take note of... Um, Bobby Bulldog from Alice Springs, the Alice Springs Off-Road Club, just got an Order of Australia medal. Um, he's another old chap. He doesn't like a great deal of change, but he doesn't care either. He'll go and do whatever's needed to be done. But Alice Springs Off-Road Club um, has a true Australian champion in Bobby Bulldog. Um, for those that don't know him, and hopefully you, you might get to meet someone as, as awesome as Bob... He'll be your one driving a grader out in the middle of uh, yes. Mount Uramina, yep. cutting yep. the tracks and, and yep. re repatching them after races. Um, he'll be the one that makes you laugh at the start line as well. And if there was a part of Bob that doesn't want to change, it'll be his jokes. Yep. There'll be the <laughs> you could be racing eight years later and he'll come to the window and give you the same <laughs> joke. <laughs> the same joke as you heard the first time you raced. You still laugh. Yeah. I mean, it's great. But um the the officials involved are amazing. I think motorsports in general are really good at respecting our officials. Yep. Yep. Um, you don't have to flash a red card very often or a yellow card to your your motorsports fans and and also participants. And without the officials, uh, you don't get anything. And without the teams behind your crews, you don't get anything either. So yep. it, it's a lonely sport if you don't have that greater deal of respect of everyone around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say in a, in a lot of times I've dealt with motorsport, I would say most times it's always been um, a high level of respect for all the volunteers, know, volunteers yeah. and, and people involved with it is with making that day go ahead. And, and you hear it quite often, at, you know, particularly myself at um, motorbike events, you know, uh, the, you know, St. John's, the um, people whose land it is sometimes if it was an off-road event. and Flaggies. And, you know, you always hear that, you know, them guys getting a lot of credit from yeah. from the riders which is good to see even yeah. a lot in kids yeah well, yeah come them up yep always thanking people yep yep no it is a very big part of it and uh, I, 
think it's great to see so many people involved. It's hard nowadays, but it's still, it is awesome getting them involved. It is. All right. Now, let's start off with what was your first, when you started growing up, what was your first sort of motorsport sports that you started getting into when you were a kid? I was just thinking and, and seeing it in my head <laughs> as we were talking, I was wondering whether we're going to get back to where I come yeah, from. Yeah, no, we're cutting around back to it now. It doesn't matter, mate. Yeah, this yeah, podcast is definitely not by the book. No, no, we, that just goes, just, no. we just goes off on tangents. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I started my motorsports very late, um, but I, I first had involvement and I just literally thought of it as I was looking at you. Not because my dad had a beard, but... Uh, <laughs> He's a good-looking man, rookie. Oh, no. Touch <laughs> there for our viewers. <laughs> my dad might have been nearly his size too. But, <laughs> but no, it was my dad. Yep. was my first real recollection and, and understanding of motorsports. And whilst my dad didn't do motorsports, he was the first bloke to blow 100 miles on the Wyala airstrip on yep. a VSA. Yep. yep. Yeah, home-built BSA, first bloke to blow 100 mile. So that was pretty cool. He used to tell that story. And then when we lived in Wakeree as a young'un, uh, Dad was an electrical contractor, and uh, one of the cars that he sponsored um, was like, I'm guessing it's like a street stock super sustain or something. <laughs> a, a speedway style? A, yeah. Yeah, kind of, you know, it was, I think it was a HT Holden or similar, and I know it was orange. These are the the pictures I see in my head, methanol-fed 202. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching my dad do a, a sponsor's drive or something. Um, I've got no idea whether he did any good. I can't remember any of that. But um, yep. that was my first. And I know that, that particular car, they went on to running methanol-fed 202 with a supercharger hanging off the side. And um, they would have been wild days back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trying to get the thing hold together and <laughs> not put too much uh, boost into the thing. And Yeah, probably would have separated a number five piston. Probably pretty regular for, <laughs> for holding 202s. But then if you skip forward a heap of years, we, we moved to Port Augusta. And um, that's where I did most of my schooling. And that was where my first job came. And that was with the Versteegs um, in Port Augusta. And, and they still run a business there now they were involved in Speedway. And again, yep. I didn't even go to see it, but I saw the cars. They yep. had the engine machine shop there. I got to play with that stuff. And I, and I worked, my first job was working as a forecourt attendant. So pumping gas in the old days when you actually still saw the fuel float yeah. through the little yeah, spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Put the petrol yep. in for them. Yep. Still did all that and washed windows, checked oil, all the stuff you, you wish would happen. Um, and Mrs. Versteeg, she used to have me out the back hanging fan belts and sorting out stock when I wasn't out the front. So that was the first involvement in automotive. And yep. then also, again, those boys had a HG with another methanol-fed 202 and listening to some of those boys banter with other races that were coming through with cars ready for a Speedway event, that probably kept me interested uh, until I eventually got right into sport, which turned out to be off-road. Yep. Which well, wasn't, well, when was that? I don't know. What was the first machine? What was the first machine purchased? My first and, car. And did your dad support it or did he say you were an idiot and this thing was a heap of shit and you were just so convinced that you were going to buy this racer mobile? How did it go down? I'm going to disappoint you here. <laughs> I, I had to be an adult before I can get any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
If it was my first ever car that I bought, was a four-door LJ Tirana. Yep. Um, with a 202, which let go. Um, <laughs> that car, wrongly, uh, when I was 17, went through three sets of brake pads in nine months. And I gave that poor thing an absolute flogging. flogging I yeah. thought I was Peter Brock. Yeah. It was, he was definitely my fan. Like, yeah. not, he wasn't my fan, but I, I, was, his, was, I was his yeah. fan. I, I think... Um, we are definitely all a fan of Brocky. Yeah. And so that led me, once I left that Albury-Wodonga region, which was probably lucky because I said I went through three sets of brake pads, $900 worth of fines. Um, back then, that, that was a lot because fines were not as expensive as they are nowadays. No, exactly. So it was probably good to get out of there. Um, when I got to the Adelaide Hills eventually, like my first motorbike was... a. Uh, Dodgy old KLR250. Um, probably not registered, probably not licensed. Probably didn't run real well. Um, swap that out for a Suzuki 650GS. Yep. Um, real old school robot. Yeah, yeah. And I, today I wish I still had that. That thing um, I think is still got quite collectability about it. I think, Dad, you had a... What was yours? Uh, what was your old girl you used to have? A GS... No, it was just a GS, wasn't it GSX? It was a GS, yeah, yeah. but it was an E. Wasn't that a 750ES yeah, or something? something like that? Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably something yeah. very similar, mate. Nice air-cooled beast or what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an old yeah. Should have still had it. Would have been worth a bloody fortune. <laughs> it would have been. Well, all that stuff is now. It's, yeah. Yeah, like anything like that, it's just all classes collectors. Yeah. yeah. Crystal ball, though. I remember riding that, like, because I my, my first true girlfriend was back down the Riverland. I was up in the Adelaide Hills in the Defence Force. I remember riding that um, bike down to Wakery and I had the jacket, the newspapers stuffed down the front to try and keep the it cold off. Yeah. <laughs> I had these old military police gloves that I'd procured from somewhere and I looked like an absolute moron. But it did the trick. And it hey, was look, cold. It, it, it was it, cold. It, it, it was a destination to go. You know what it's like. You just you, you battle the cold just for whatever time it takes. Yeah. Being, nah. the, being the girlfriend. Neck warmers, they were a good thing back on the bike back in the day, back in Vic. Keeping the neck warm. Yeah, well, I pinched me. I, I, when I first started riding road, um, road bikes down there, I pinched the old man. He had a pair of rabbit fur gloves. And, like, I thought they were the best thing since sliced bread. And then when I binned it going, uh, I think it was down the Great Ocean Road, I tore the old man's gloves to pieces. Oh, no. He never forgave me for that. <laughs> Like, I had them since I was a kid. And I'm like, well... They would only been ones a year on the quad bike or something. <laughs> yeah, probably his, that's about all it was. Keep his little hands. Oh, yeah, but I'm just like, you, you're complaining. They saved your son's hands. Doesn't matter, you ruined me gloves. But they were good gloves. They were good gloves. They were really good gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't wreck them. Yeah. No, that's right. The son did. Yeah, and then that, that was just another thing that I could disappoint my father with. <laughs> you might have grown up all right. It's okay. Nah, that's not too bad. So yeah. the first real race car, I had to wait until um, somewhere 2006 maybe. Yep. Something like that. Yep. yep. I was well and truly an adult. Yeah. Um, I was, at the time I was out at the Kintor uh, remote community out of Alice Springs. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I was the officer in charge of the police station out there. So after doing my trade in the army for... Um, little over eight years, I, I became an NT copper. Yep. Um, something I'm still proud of today. Um, 
I'm also proud that I, in, in 10 years, only booked 90 people because yeah. I thought education was more important than giving them a ticket. Yep. Um, yeah, I, but think, I think so. No, I, I, I agree. I say, didn't I say that to you the other day? Yeah. Dad, sometimes like, a, just, like yeah. a, an actual warning would, go, would be a bit, would sink yeah. in a bit better than, yeah. than actually exactly. booking someone. Yeah. I was telling this very story to someone the other day. Um, when I was in Darwin as a shift supervisor, I, I saw some lads down in an industrial area and uh, it was obvious that they were cutting sick, having a bit of fun, but they will by themselves, not, not in a big group. Yeah. So I snuck around behind them and absolutely made them shit themselves and uh, pulled up, grabbed them, and I went, firstly, you didn't try and run. Um, you're driving a, a V8 Fairlane. Um, this is not normal hooning. Mm. So I grabbed these two lads and they were shitting bricks. And um, instead of giving them a ticket and doing anything crazy like that, I went, whose car's that? That's dad's. Where, mm. where is it? Does he know you're doing this? <laughs> I said, right, ring them now in front of me. And I made them ring both their parents in front of me and explain that What's going they on? were talking yeah. to a copper for, for whom, what we now call hooning. Hooning, yeah. And um, I think that was the best thing that could have ever happened to them. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't need to issue them a ticket. They certainly learnt the lesson and I don't think I ever saw them again. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, well, so I, I think some I'll, valuable lessons are, are better than... Oh, look, I, I totally agree. I just reckon if you get put on the spot and you've just made feel like, oh, yeah, I've done the wrong thing, you get a fine, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah bit, like money comes and goes. Yeah, a bit of that slackens now, I reckon, you know, like back in them days you could probably give a number eight up the backside. It was the best thing you could do. But <laughs> yeah. You, you know, as you know now, you, you can't do anything like that now. Yep. I've got yep. many friends, without going into the too far into it, I've got many friends that are still in the force and um, I... I feel for every single one of them. Yep. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. It's I th- not, I think not, not, not a mental health place at the moment. No. And the I crooks think, have uh, it on, on them all the time. They do, and I, I think we, we see it all the time. Like, um, It really makes you wonder why someone would want to be an officer now. Like, If um, someone sort of tends to do their job, they get criticised for it and, and end up sort of staring down the barrel for sort of looking after what we call the community that, mm. and, and serving... serving the, a purpose of their role. Yep. Um, it's sort of, yeah, seen a lot of changes in that stuff lately where it's, you know, I think everyone's probably had a thought in their time like, oh, it'd be pretty cool to be a copper, you yeah, know, yeah. like sort of keep people safe and, and yep. you know, keep an eye on things and, and be there to help, you know, like cops yeah. are all there to, to help and support as well as, um, yeah, you know, no. catch the baddies. And, um, yeah, I think it's just a it's a career path now where I, I honestly don't know many people that would try and encourage their children to go down that path with they were thinking about you know well, at the moment in school until things stuff, is a bit so. of a change i think there has to be a bit of a change <coughs> yeah. i think there will be a bit of a change yep. yeah but uh, you're right in that when i was a copper and, and i wasn't even from the real old school no. listening to some of the stories from some of the older older chaps was pretty wild stuff but we still went out and did everything we could to help people yep um and there were some absolutely shocking days. There were some horrific days that you would have. Um, but on the most part, you felt like you were helping people. Yep. And if you can do it in any job, that's a great thing. Yep. And so I feel for the officers nowadays. I feel for the new 
officers coming through because the shell shock they will sustain will, will be astronomical for many of them. Yep. But uh, let's hope that changes for them. Yeah, because yeah I think let's it hope a, so. a very honourable uh, career and I, we certainly need them. Um, I don't think we'll ever go back to Harry's day where you could no. fair cop a size seven, eight, nine, but um, or a trungeon. No, but, that's right. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about good discipline. No, it, it is. Like exactly. I, I'd done plenty of dickhead things when I was a young fellow. Down where I grew up on that road down there, we had that bridge, and I had a quarter mile marked out. I had my own drag strip. The local copper, I won't mention which one it was, he knew it was me. I could see for about three k's either way. The only person that was going to get hurt was myself if anything happened, and he was just like, I don't agree with it and I don't condone it, he said, but if it's going to be done, well, at least you're not far from home. Yeah, so, I, I think there's a lot, lot in good community policing that can be done. Yeah. Which segues us back to where the first car came yep. at Kintour. I felt that out in Kintour, I didn't want to go to Kintour. Uh, it's it's really a remote place. Hmm. Uh, you're only 15, 16 kilometres from the Western Australia border. We, we police both sides of the border yep. and it gets real wild into WA. Um, but I thought we could do more in the community there. It was on the end of the era of, of petrol sniffing. Yep. Uh, so a lot of the young people were not as wild and, and they weren't getting as medically harmed from the petrol sniffing as the past. Um, so there was a lot more opportunity, we thought, at the time. I, I'd seen this Fink Desert Race thing. I thought that was pretty cool. And so we went on and uh, purchased a ex-Holden Motorsports Holden Rodeo. Yep. Nice little V6, yep. nothing crazy. A production class four-wheel drive, fully road registered. And we would literally drive it to the event yep. and drive it home most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but part of that is like we, we thought we would try and, and do some sort of community involvement. Yep. Yep. And we tried. I must admit, we didn't try for ages, but we did try. We tried to get people that we'd selected we thought would be interested. Yep. And we thought we had some influence on the parents yep. to come and be involved. And we were willing to take them with us. And... Um, Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, it's a, a real shame that it didn't happen because I think uh, I've seen since then other communities down in the APY lands that have had motorsports involvement, where they've they've had teams go out in motorbike and, and run motorbikes, mm. and uh, at Fink. Yep, um, I've seen uh, people like Bernard Singer, an elder from from that area. Um, race trophy trucks yeah. and bring crews with him that were fully Indigenous. So I thought there was a lot of opportunity to get people yeah. involved in motorsports yep. yeah. beyond just trash and cars around the paddock. So, but that was our first car. Yep, yep. A Holden Rodeo, um, nine inches of travel in the front. Yep. Oh. And uh, <laughs> you nearly get more out of a wheelbarrow uh, yeah. these days. <laughs> you, you, you would have yeah. thought it was <laughs> wicked. <laughs> I naively watched all the, the DVDs. Yeah, some of your listeners probably don't even know what a DVD is, but I, I watched as many DVDs as I could. <laughs> and I'm looking at these things of this picture perfect racetrack, and I thought, yeah, we're right. Yeah, we'll get through we're this. right. Yeah. And if I went back to when I was in Darwin, in fact, I've probably missed a lot, but when I come back to Darwin, I was involved with Beat the Heat, yeah, the police drag racing yep. team. Uh, and um, that had 
I, I drove for them for several years. Yeah. And we helped develop the car. Yep. Um, a beautiful VY with plenty of get up and go. But that, that had partly been procured through uh, Monaro Performance Centre in Victoria. Mm. Now, the segue that comes out of that is Monaro Performance Centre were first-class friends with Peter Brock. Yep. So the motor that ended up in the heat was actually a spare for Peter Brock. Oh, that's oh. true. Yeah. That's so cool. um, that, we had that relationship formed. Yep. Um, and so we, we rang Monaro Performance Centre and said, oh, you're going to need lazy motors laying around or anything? And um, hoping he might still have another couple of LSs laying around. And he goes, no, but we happen to have this Holden Motorsports Rodeo, one of only three Rodeos built by Holden Motorsports. Mm. And uh, the other two Rodeos went on to have LSs put in them. John Hedricks had one for I was going to say, yeah, Hedricks had one. Yeah. I remember that. Hedricks had one. And, uh, so he Peter, did the Peter safari and all that, didn't he? He yeah. did the Australian safari. So yeah. Peter, they, they were built for the Australian safari. Yeah. They were definitely not built for the Fink Desert Race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a chance in heavens. So um, the other two cars... Uh, ended up with independent rears and a lot more work and they end up with Hollingers, uh, I think, with a gearbox of choice in them. Yep. And Peter Brock actually ran one of them in several Australian safaris. Yeah. Uh, Hedricks ran the others. Um, I know I spoke <clears throat> extensively with Hedricks about this car and some of the sneaky things Holden Motorsports did to try and make the V6s play. Um, but we found pretty quickly after... after two Fink Desert races that really probably... First year? First year was hell. And I, I really can't remember the date. I can't. I, Not sure, no. No, it'd have to be 2000 and... It's probably 2006 we yeah. first raced. Yep. I, I yep. think. I can't exactly remember. And um, that was the most painful thing I'd ever done. <laughs> I've never given birth to a child. Oh, <laughs> I know that exact same feeling, rookie. You so haven't raced, but rookie's rode the track. He's pre-ran the track plenty of times. And so the nine inches of travel in the front didn't cut it. <laughs> well, it's not a bike for starters, so it doesn't weigh 120, 130 kilos. <laughs> We've got a full ARB bull bar on the front. Extra rack of tyres out yeah. the back. Um, no, I thought I killed my girlfriend in that race. Just beaten up. Just like that was before Hans devices were, were a mandatory part of the event. Yeah. Um, which I think since that coming, I think has been a fantastic uh, move. Yeah. Um, but so we just ran these little foam neck rings yeah. that you could buy. And I, on the way down to Fink, I, I looked ahead and went, we just got out of these whoops and we were... You were not clearing whoops in a, a vehicle with nine <laughs> inches of suspension. No, you actually literally wrote, uh, drove through, through every, every single one. Everyone. Yeah. Yep. And um, I thought, yes, I've got a flat spot to go. And I ripped it through the gears and went, yes, we're off. We can open up the throttle on this, this lovely little V6. And then I just saw a, a Another series set. of whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, we're gone. We're gone. <laughs> And uh, my girlfriend, she was looking down, navving for me. She was looking down, and that was the worst place for her head to be, was looking yeah. down. 
um, because we hit the first set of whoops and her head was already compressed down. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, I I didn't think she breathed for well over a minute oh, or two. Oh, shit. Um, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ross, I've, I've, you know, whether I've spoke about it before, but the it's hard to explain on the Fink track in the middle of the day and with the sun in them whoops, you can't no, cast in the you shadow. You can't nothing. see where they are. You really can't. Like, you have a real hard time as a, a motorbike rider I know for myself was picking lens colours. Like, do you yep. go a clear so you can try and see any bit of imperfection that will bring up and show you the whoop or do you go for a darker colour to try and get something to blend? Sometimes they're very, very hard to see in that red dust um, with the sun directly over the top and there's no shadow casted. Yeah, and and I've had that discussion with different people as well. I run clear. Yep. That's my choice. Yeah. Uh, I, I think yellow is another – yellow-orange is another good one. So yep. I know um, Chris Coulthard, uh, also another awesome off-road racer yep. out of Alice Springs, um, he tends to run the yellow. Yeah, I think the Who, king – Price runs orange, I'm pretty sure. Looking at it, some of his footage, I'm sure he runs an orange lens in that. He runs helmet his helmet. Is it orange or is it the one with a little like rainbow flow to it as well? Oh, it might be. Yeah. Looks cool in it though. I'd love one of his helmets. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell him when I see him next. Yeah, no matter what, he's fast anyway, so it doesn't matter. He's just a weapon. So when did you look across and realise that your girlfriend at the time, like, wasn't good like um yeah obviously you probably had a job pulling the big girl up in the whoops to try and oh it knocked the r- shit wrestle out of the it before anyway. you realized something wasn't you know right i i just looked and i there wasn't anything immediately we could do and i was i was contemplating whether we had to get off the track and stop to try and do something mm. and i just kept talking to her and i was off the throttle just looking and trying to see where the track and looking across to her and and see what was going on, and, and she started to come good, and I was like, "That is just that's horrific, mm. that's horrific." I scared the the life out of me, and um, absolutely, we were lucky because it, in the long run it was pretty minor, and that's why I think now I'm so into Hans, or I use a hybrid Simpson hybrid, yep, which is like wearing a bra, but it's yeah. up to a cloth and soft, and just has a small hard piece, yep. And since then, I've never had an issue. Yep. I've never had anything like it. Um, but I, that one time scared me, and I don't want to ever see that again. I know that other people that have had roles with navvies and um, have have had their navvies knocked out, and that I've, I know that they talk about that shock and trauma of of looking across at your your best mate. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they're not really doing well, and it was you straight away think it was your fault. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it may or may not have been, but it's still... Doesn't uh, matter, it's still in your mind. That yeah, because yeah, you're, you're, you're in control of the car. It's a yep. hard thing with motorsport. It, mm. it's, it really is. I mean, you know, um, sometimes you'd be hitting them corners. I, like, I've said it before, and Toby Price would get in that truck after riding it on the bike, and he would just hit everything absolutely tap, knowing that, he had a road cage and a, and a five-point harness or whatever they are these days, Only keeping him safe, you know. Um, I know you're not always safe, but as opposed to a bike where you exposed, you, you tend to get flicked and, and it's your body hitting the ground straight away, he, he must feel almost bulletproof in, in his truck, which would obviously lead to why he can just hold that thing. The technology in him now is 
is, is just astronomical. But um, I know people like Brad Prout, um, buggy, buggy driver. Mm-hmm. He was running top 10 for quite a few years. He ran and, and only runs, uh, he's a merchant banker, I think, mm. um, only runs single seat. Yeah. Uh, and has talked about that, that lack of desire to have the responsibility of someone else. Sitting beside him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Hayden Bentley, former Australian champion and yep. Fink winner. Uh, he ran single for a long time. Yeah. He's now running a person beside him. Yeah. He found that eventually it just got a little bit boring by himself. Yeah, well, I always looked at it and I probably, you're probably right. I never looked at it like that. I'd always called it selfish, you know, driving like, because every, you know, every man like us always wants to sit in a passenger seat, you know, be lucky mm. enough to have someone go, oh, do you want to jump in? And, and I suppose I've always looked at it like, you know, it's selfish. But when you look at it the other way around, you know, p- potentially for someone that may have had issues before, like mm. you can actually see that other side where, yeah, they don't want that responsibility. Yep. Like, you know, I just want to, you know, put myself in the in the firing line, and if something happens, something happens, and and you don't have that responsibility. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah, looking at it a different way. Yeah, and as as the vehicles that we get go better, and and that's what happened with us. We got rid of the Rodeo. We actually kept it for a while and drove it on the street. Um, we then moved up into a performance two wheel drive, so that's a modified uh, original chassis type vehicle. Um, that first ran a, a small block, blew that apart um, in one of the races and then moved on to an LS in that. Um, but when you start going faster again, you realise that there's no plastic barriers here and it is, you know, a desert oak is pretty tough. Yep. Um, but even a small desert oak, yeah. Like, I'd hate to hit a small desert oak as a bike rider, mm. yet alone a big one. Mm. Um, we pancaked a small one at Mount Uramina that the local club round doing a little three by three challenge, which is three Ks. You do three loops at three Ks and you're challenging another car on direct opposites. And we were pushing as hard as we could and we come off a jump. That, that performance two wheel drive jumped nicely. Yep. In fact, it jumped stupidly nicely. Um, we made the back page of the NT News one year at Fink. Yeah. In that, we were way above everyone. We were about 10 foot off the top of the 40K sand dune and um, came down and we this is cool. We're sailing through the air. Because I love sailing through the airline. I think it's the most awesome feeling. When, it is a cool feeling yeah. in, a, in a car. I've done it a few times in a... You know, a side by side, yeah, with um, with um, Corey, my cousin, and uh, yeah, like it's a it's a cool feeling. It is. I I do love it. I've, yeah, that is a totally different drug. Doing that, I think. Um, this year we we were young in still learning how to run a run a fast car. So there was our first year running an LS. So we had a bit more pip in it, and um, we we hit that sand dune. Thought we've got to slow down a little bit. Slow down. Knocked it back to second. Stupid move. Um, when you <laughs> like, like with bikes, like rotating a car, just a little bit slower than rotating yeah. a bike in the air, and you use you, you can use brakes and throttle. Most people just use straight out throttle, but you've got to have the right gear. And so um, I'd knocked it back to second to come into the the sand dune and come up the sand dune, and didn't realise what I should do is just pop third before I hit the top of the hill, and. So we, we sailed way too much speed off this sand dune 
Um, crowds everywhere, and they were nice and safe, thankfully, but they were right back. And we got yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And my mate Mick, um, a friend of mine, he, he passed away in December, but oh. Mick was my navvy for quite a few years, and he was encouraging me to kick along. And we were mid-flight, and they're going, this is a big jump. This is awesome. <laughs> and then the nose rotated and caught the wind. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, and we really rotated real fast down, and I'm like, all in the splittest of seconds going, no, no, not good anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not good anymore. And then I at least knew to just punch the throttle, and yeah. we had that yeah. thing on the limit of just banging away. And didn't know why it wasn't counter-rotating. And it, it slowed a bit. And I'm like, you know, you should come round. I've got you pinned to the wall. Yeah, yeah. Banging off the limiter. And um, it just slowly rotated until we were dead vertical as we planted the sand. Oh, no way. And I'm gone. Hands off the wheel. Yes. I'm Can't going, do anything. We're, we're, we're gone. We're all over. We're going a pancake and go everywhere. And the car just filled with red sand. Um and all of a sudden, I was looking at the sky. And I'm looking up going, that's the sky. Where did that come from? I was looking at sand, then I was looking at sky, and I, just, I still had the, the gas pedal smashed against the wall. <laughs> and, um, and she just pulled herself. She dug in on the rear of the car. So yeah. it had come off the nose. It had flicked up. Upwards, yeah. Forward, thankfully, yeah. Yeah. and not tail over. It had flicked up forwards drove the rear and the, and the rear axle into the ground and we, we took grip and we shot off. And where you went. And, we, and, and when, we, when <laughs> we got the dirt, it pulled it down and we took off. And, and again, I looked at my Navigar. Lots of awesome words. <laughs> going, are you right? And he's going, yep, that was send wicked. It, send, <laughs> it, go, go. Yeah, send it, send it. <laughs> I don't think he understood how close we were to absolutely binning it in, yeah. in the most grotesque way. But, yeah, we, we pinned it and knocked third gear and took off down the track and shook the car a little bit. And went, but isn't, isn't, it, good. isn't it an, like an incredible feeling when something can go horribly wrong and then turns out okay and, and the amount of, like, happiness it brings you knowing? <laughs> I, I, I talk about it from the bikes, you know, like we'd have... I, I said to Dad when I raced, I probably had shit, like... 50 near-death experiences where I thought I was I was going over, you know, and you'd, you'd hit a bump, it would cross up, you'd be in the air completely sideways and the natural reaction is almost the same thing. You just hold the thing pinned, lay back, and hopefully when it hits the rear wheel, it just straightens itself back <laughs> up. And half, I reckon probably there would have been at least at least 25 moments each way of them moments where you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm in some serious trouble here and <laughs> hold it flat, straightens out and where you're going, you just, you're almost kicking and screaming going, yes, yes, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> alive, <laughs> you know. Survive. Yeah. So I, I know that feeling. You're just like, shit, we got through it, you know. Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's keep going. And, and instantly the focus has got to go straight back on there, like, isn't it? It's, it's, it's okay, next. back on, game on yep. now, next bump, next yep. bump, next bump. And, and hopefully not take too much excitement from it and overpower the next thing you hit because it's going to be different again. And you, you've got to try and as quick as possible get your rhythm back in. Yeah, that's right. Because um, sometimes if one thing, it can knock you out for the next three or four corners, three yep. or four sections because your, your mind's not yeah. spot on, locked on. Very much. And, and you just, one, if you're trying to win a race, you, you're way off pace or... Or you're just making 
absolutely screwing up everything else. Well, you lose that along. little bit of time, then you've got to try and pick it back up so you're going faster than what you normally would be. Or your just, brain's just totally rattled. <laughs> One of the two. You're still going, wow, how did that happen? I used <laughs> what to, did I do wrong? Every now and then in enduros, when I raced a lot of enduros, I used to give myself a three-turn rule. So yep. I, would, I would calm down. If I'd either crashed or I had had a really, really big moment, I would calm back down. One turn, two turns, three turns. Okay, let's go again. Try and get my heart rate to go back down. Calm down, relax from the like the the instant heart rate rise that you have when you have one of the moments, and and you just try and get that three turn rule with me was just one, two, three, okay, and then you say to myself, righto, let's go again, yep. let's get back on the boil. So, oh, I think that's a really good way of thinking about it too, because yep. you do need something to focus yourself on after you've had a, a near off or Close anything call. like that. You, Close call, yeah. yeah, because it can make a big mess. Yeah. So, but now it was. There's plenty of those moments, I think, isn't there? Yeah. In motorsports. Yeah. That, that, that's that, racing. That's it racing. Is. You're alive. It's, um, it's one of the great buzzes of motorsports. Um, for us, we were lucky. That car was built by uh, Darren Thornton, Thornboard Engineering. He actually built Greg Gartner's car that yep. went on to win Fink. Yep. yep. The first truck to win Fink. Yeah, we know Greg very well. Yes. Well, we were miles behind ever winning like Greg could win, but... That performance two-wheel drive, as I said, was built by Darren Thorne of Thornbird Engineering. Yep. That car was Greg Gartner's car. Oh, true. Oh. And it was known as the Plow. And <laughs> after that incident, I knew exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, yeah, when, when you got it wrong, it tended to rotate and just take stuff on. But I think where they came up with the, the term Plow is because Greg is just brutal. And, Greg, and, Greg is a champion and brutal. Greg loves to fly through the air. He does. We all know. He yes. likes to hold it on the limit too. Yes. And um, Greg would hit stuff in that car and keep going with it. And so that he would just plow through anything. And yep. we were lucky that car was so robust because it did exactly what he had done and we just didn't have the skill that he did. But he's ex-Speedway. His whole family's ex-Speedway. For the gardeners, yeah, not bad for a bunch of potato growers. Yeah, um, tractor drivers. Yeah, yep, they're pretty awesome. But and this is where the small world comes around. It does it? It is, and so that was a Greg Gartner car. The first one was a Peter Brock car, and I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we moved on. Sorry, we didn't even move on from that car for ages, but. Um, it was far better to do Fink in that car than the Rodeo. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> but we, we even tried, uh, we tried to do Gundy. Yep. Gundawindy. Yep. Um, we went all the way is over there. Is that 500? 500? I think that is a 500. I think it is a 500, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is a big one. Um, and they, they go on about over there about the melon holes. So it's got some pretty unbalanced... Uh, holes to pop in and out of and unfortunately uh, quite a few crews have come unstuck there in in time in very unceremonious fashions and you see some pretty horrific stuff goes on there occasionally but um, we tried to do that race as well um, with the class five and we just got rained out unfortunately so Mm. a trip all the way across there and back and that's disappointing it is a bit disappointing Um, I was lucky as said Mick Mick Nicholson my mate that passed away in um December, he drove the truck across and I flew across. 
Oh, you Hollywood. <laughs> I call it Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> yes. yes. Just Hollywood, yeah. Pick me up at the airport. Yep. It I'll was, be there with me bags. It was the way it was. At, at this stage, I'd gone from being a copper to um, yep. being a member of parliament. Yep. So um, that was four years of being part of the CLP and I was the member for Drysdale, which is a Palmerston suburb. So yep. um, those that lived around me in Palmerston got to listen to me grind on cars at night, <laughs> <laughs> which turned out well in the long run. But um, so I, w- I was at that stage that we did Gundy and we had the class five, I was member of parliament. Um, yep. I was blessed at the stage to have the shadow ministry of sports and recreation for some reason. Very nice. So I got to go to lots of sports and talked to lots of committee members. Yep. And um, did you get into parliament because you, say, coming from the, the copper background, you still wanted to continue to help or, or what sort of led you into that field, you know, after having a, you know, a police background and what was the, what was the decider there? I think I've said it before to others that 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 was part of the thing. So if you look at my career path, nearly nine years in the Australian Defence Force, I don't think anyone can deny that being part of the Australian service is to serve the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved out of that because we weren't, luckily we weren't in any active fields uh, or theatres at the time. I moved into the police force because... I thought we could do something. We, we had, in the army, we'd done the Catherine floods, met a heap of coppers there, and they said, no, nah, come on, join us, you know. So uh, I always doubted my academics to be a copper or, or to even do much more in my, my career, really. Um, foolishly, I think. Um, but so I joined the police force. I'm uh, really good at driver training. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that. Really yeah. good at I'm sure you that. I was good at the firearms and anything physical I was actually really good at, uh, thankfully. Um, we The little physical team that they put us in, we actually come out and topped the physical awards. Cool. So that awesome. was pretty cool. But yeah, everyone that joined the police force around me and I think since do it because they think they can do something for the community. Yeah. Um, we were travelling back one year from Fink Having done Fink, I was half asleep, probably a couple of hundred k's out of Alice, and a mate of mine was driving driving the car, uh, towing the race car behind us, and we just started yakking about how bad crime was, how kids weren't really taking advantage of the opportunities and things like that. And so we chatted for ages, as you do coming back from, from Alice, and... That there led to yeah. to politics. Yep. So I I rang a, a bloke I, I knew of, um, a bloke called Peter Stiles, who went on to become a minister as well uh, of the parliament and said, Pete, I'm interested. He goes, don't talk to me about it here. We're at work. And so I went and met with some of the officials from the CLP and... Uh, Five weeks later, I was a member of parliament. Mm. Five weeks. From talking about it to <laughs> yeah, being a member of parliament. <laughs> yep. I was like, wow, that didn't take Happened off. a little bit faster than I thought it was going to. Yeah, it did. And so we were in a period of time where we were under Terry Mills. Yep. And, and Terry, uh, on top of other shadow ministries, um, 
had me doing sports and recreation and I really loved that. Yeah. I, strangely, I loved, I had arts and museums as well, mm. arts, museums and libraries yep. and I, I loved that as well. Um, and I still to today consider our arts museums, our sports and recreation aspect a massive part of the Northern Territory economy. Yeah. And always would encourage any of the committees that I, I dealt with, whether it was clay target shooting to, uh, and we've got some great Australian champions in clay target shooting that have come from Darwin. Um, also some, some fantastic leaders in the firearm industry that have come from Darwin to do with the sports shooting. Um, whether it's netball, AFL, and we all know we've got fantastic stars out of, out of Darwin with AFL. But being involved in the sports and the arts, I think, is just a massive amount of our territory economy, whether it's an f- a f- actual financial gain or just the fact that it gives a reason for people to come and visit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that eventually then leads to money. If you look at the Fink, I don't know what the current figures are, but if it turned over $3 million as a result of having the Fink, yeah. that would be a reasonable number. Yeah. Uh, and, un- and I think it's pretty much on the money you know by the time all the crews spend money on hotels food fuel fuel accommodation the whole everything like the whole lot all rolled in and some will go on to do other stuff but the reason i think i got into politics was for helping that community yeah and that's where that question came from yeah it was and then i thought for the first two years i definitely did that personally in my mind yep Uh, i still had fun yeah but i also then the, the following two years in politics became harder. The internal politics wasn't good. Mm. Um, there was definitely a, a target on Terry Mills's back. Yep. And I supported Terry, which made there was a target on my back. Mm. But no matter what, every day you still had involvement with the community. I still have involvement with the community. I, yeah. still, I still get to talk to a lot of people that are not motorsports orientated that were people I met when I was their elected member and we still chat and yeah, talk. Sure. And, yeah. Mm. Right. You know, they're good people. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're all hopefully good people. So it's, it's a great thing. So, but it definitely meant I could get to know a lot more different sports. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I'd love going to motorsports. Yeah. Yeah. And the motorsports and, and you know, I, I um, was talking to a friend of mine still just starting up a new venture up here and he said, Oh, you know, I'm not sure how to go about, you know, trying to get grants and that. And I said, well, you know, if the first thing you look at when you open up the Chariots of Thunder page is they talk about how much money that the council or whatever had given them over so many years to supply, you know, to keep this event going. And in return, this is how many bed nights they provide to to Darwin, how many visitors they have. And obviously the visitors that come for uh, Chariots stay the week if the car's not dinged up they're out at the crocodile jumping they're out at berry springs they're they're doing the touristy stuff yeah and i said you have to if you if you're gonna try and apply for a grant read this and have a look at that and that is what you need to target you need to you need to sell what you're selling so i just you know you i i really like chariots there they they really say this is what we got given and this is what we're giving back and they're they're not you know they're not frightened to Put it on their homepage to say what they're trying to do because mm. I think it created some phenomenal amount of bed nights with with people that that are bought to 
yep. um, Darwin for that event. So I think you're 100% right. Mm. And that's the story I would tell all those organisations is talk about this. I, I would talk about it in Parliament itself as well. And it's, it is the business of motorsports. And so whether it's motorsports or whether it's the museums, the yep. same, we would have the same conversation yep. with the museums and art galleries. And so there's often, I don't oppose the idea of some of our new museums that are coming up because yep. they do offer an attraction, another reason for people to come. And you unpack all of that. How many bed nights, how much food you think they're going to do, drink and fuel. And all of a sudden you've got a really good argument for why your sport or your event should have a little bit more. The Darwin Festival, an arts festival, but it pulls people from all the way around Australia. Mm. Yeah. It's um yeah, it is a really good part of really good part of the industry to unpack that and for new clubs and other businesses to look at what they can do. And I think um I think a lot with here um, um, and I I know I say it with chariots because chariots tends to you know, have its consecutive weekends and the NT titles is the weekend before chariot, so it sort of glues people in to come up for that two or three week yeah, gap. For a bit but, longer. Um, I think, you know, the road racing at Hidden Valley, uh, they do a TTC that's a, a four or five day event and I have absolutely no doubt that that would create people to potentially come up a week earlier or stay a week later or come up for the week before and the week after. Yep. And that, you know, once the racing's done on the other side, then they're obviously given back to the community with the, you know, um, doing the museums, doing the, um, doing all our touristy stuff that we have. So even the sporting event, having them big events and, and attracts people, although there's a lot of effort and probably a lot of money gets put into it, it's, it's another way of accumulating it all back. Yeah, but just getting people to hang around for a little bit longer to spend a little bit more and, money. And Darwin tends to be the place that people were like, there's plenty to do, there's plenty to see, there's plenty to do. Well, it's like Someone pretty, normally knows someone up here, so it's like, yeah. oh, we'll go and see them or stay with them. And well, like the example, like we went down in the week after Easter to go and do some pre-running for Fink for this year. And Parjama Festival is on the lights, that all yeah. the lights festival. Like, I went there and there was the amount of people that I saw that were at the track, like, riding up and down, and I recognised probably about 40 cars in the car park. I caught a bus from... I stayed at one of the motels near the golf course. And um, I caught a... Uh, like, one of those complimentary buses because we were staying there, and they ran us in. But all the cars, motorbike trails and all that stuff, they were all lined up because they were obviously just came in to go and have a look at this and you're just like well that's people that are just going there just to ride up and down and they're staying somewhere and then they're going to this as well like and it just happened to be at the same time because Easter break people have stayed there for an extra bit another week longer and that was just a thing they just had projected lights up onto the McDonald ranges with some fairy lights ran around like it was something as simple as that there yeah and it was drawing people in and every shop was chockers yep and that's that time of the year you would see with FDR you have FDR one weekend, um, maybe a week's gap, and then you're back to the V8 supercars. Yeah, yeah. Like I, now in hindsight, I can't see why there was debate amongst politicians about whether we should keep or do everything we can to keep the V8 supercars. Hmm. As the shadow minister for sports, I even got to you know go and meet with people like Tony Cochran, who used to be the head of V8 supercars, and they recognised how they could join these events together. Um, didn't mean you're guaranteed to keep it that way because sponsors have different opinions and Absolutely. lots of other things come into play. But 
uh, it certainly was a, a very good connective thing. For I thought that was good. I, I knew a lot of people that come kept coming through, done the think, and yep. even as a spectator, and, and then kept coming up for the V8s the weekend after. So well, certainly when there used to be the stadium trucks. Um, <laughs> I know yeah. Greg, Greg would do the think and yeah. come yeah. up and race for, Robbie, the yeah. race for Robbie Gordon and um, yep. have a play. So The last time he came up, I think he had a quick back, so he's struggling. He's had a bad. back for a while. Yeah, to be honest. I know he was struggling at, at that last one he come up for. He's, like, he's older than us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, nah. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, that, that is the question or the answer yeah. to that is it was, it was about that. Yeah. Yeah. But politics is boring compared to racing, to be honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially nowadays. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Now, another thing I'd like to touch on is the Baja. Yes, the Baja. So Baja is coming up real fast, the Baja 1000. Yep. Um, and this will be my third Baja 1000. So you've raced three years consecutive or? There was, <coughs> sorry, there was a COVID in the way. Oh, oh yes, I didn't yes, even think about yes. that. Yeah. The old spicy flu. <laughs> the spicy <laughs> flu. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the spicy flu and the in and the inability to race Baja that got me most annoyed about spicy flu? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably was. <laughs> but it, um, you know, Baja came out. So I'm embedded with um, Cook Off Road Racing yep. in the states. They're a small team, uh, fantastic little crew. We run a uh, pro turbo UTV, a Can Am sponsored vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we get some of the joy of having some Can-Am backing through cool. there, some yeah. some pricing and some in their program. Um, you know, we're lucky to run on GBC tyres and, and some awesome sponsors like Kings. Um, I noticed your shirt, you're wearing Brett Kaminsky. Yeah. Um, just before I started with Sean, uh, Brett Kaminsky raced with Sean Cook. Ah, righty. So the, the connection yep. between Australia yep. and, and uh, the the Yanks have been around for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> with Cook Off-Road and um, Sean Cook and Brett Kaminsky, they've both run the King Shocks for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett's gone on to... Uh, Brett's a Queenslander for those that are listening. Um, he's gone on and now he's running some trophy trucks, uh, both here in Australia and, and overseas as well. But... Uh, Baja came about because of the Chinese. So if we go back, try and quickly go back far enough to say that when I had my class five, I was building a trophy truck as well. Yep. Um, Excuse me. And then uh, we'd seen, I was involved in an oil company at the time and we'd seen some Chinese visitors that were visiting the Fink Desert Race. Spoke to them, they're part of a group called Wolfpack. Yep. About 36,000 club members in Wolfpack in China. Mm. All motorsports mad people. So I spoke to them, um, got hold of Damien Ryan from Fink Desert Racing and said, Damien, introduce me to these chaps. We had a, had a chat. They came over, took photos of our car, which is all blinged out with the, uh, a Chinese oil company. And um, that led on to us leasing or basically giving to be honest we we gave him my class five to run at fink and um supplied a team and they ran they ran with um one of their Wolfpack lads and he ran down and back at fink and completed fink in my car yep 
Uh, the following year, we ran my trophy truck and we, again, basically gave, leased the car again to another Chinese team, which was, I think, again, it was based around tourism. I saw it as a tourism opportunity. If we can get some richer people interested... Tr- trying to get yeah. people international. Which is yes. what we've always talked about, in that yep. we, we... It's it's our Baja, isn't it? It's, it's our it Baja, and, and I think we've tried to... I mean, the electric car that the couple of hot-looking Swedish people birds drove a couple of years ago that was like a nice little thing to see someone else coming over mm. but i mean we all don't we we always say like we would love some people to come over and well, some yanks been, and come over we've and been successful at getting them yeah and that's it and people yep. don't really see yeah. it and, and whether that's because the, the races are not necessarily keen to, to gab too badly sitting in a podcast um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're now doing that. We're yeah. now getting some more international visitors come across, and I'm not saying that Chinese crew were the beginning because they weren't, but I saw that as an opportunity. It didn't fully flow out. It did for me flow out to the point that on a third occasion we raced with a Chinese team. I just sold my trophy truck to More Motorsports, uh, a young couple uh, that are now helping their their doing a tour of America at the moment. They were here in Darwin. They yeah. were living around the corner. They bought the car off me, my trophy truck, which is a Thorn-built-based car again, and um, they're currently helping uh, Bailey Cole in the United States. Um, they're on a holiday over there at the moment helping him in the States, having a good time in off-road. Um, so they're Darwiners as well. Yep. Um, but that link is growing and... We were lucky enough to be asked by Wolfpack to find, procure a trophy truck and prepare it for Fink, for a guy. Yep. And so we found a Mikkel motorsports car. We fully refurbished it in my shop. And uh, if I was to show you photos, it came in as a rusted frame, complete but rusted frame, blown motor, blown trans, and a full-size spec truck. I put together a team, like an action team. We fully refurbished this truck in 30 days. Wow, that's incredible. That's cool. Chinese businessman to land. And then he paid me and my team um, uh, to go and race Fink with him. So I I was paid to navigate for him. And we finished Fink. A dude that had only driven Land Cruisers, (laughs) we finished Fink in a 600-plus horsepower trophy truck, and uh, he didn't kill me. Yep. Close, didn't yeah. we? We only hit the one tree. Yep. And, um, and then he... The, the, the hitting the tree part was just funny in itself. We, we, we got to think we had to put another trans in it. So Brad Gallard, another champion Australian off-roader. off-roader. yep. What a legend of a bloke he is. Uh, um, we borrowed a trans off Brad and my crew threw a brand new transmission in at the Fink end. Um, Yangi, the... The Chinese man, he um, he didn't like one of the, the water puddles that we'd gone through down near the Fink end. And those that don't know Fink, you've got different stages through the day, but you hit the last 15 k's or so and you just open that throttle wide and you just have the most fun of the entire event. And we'd stumbled across this little water puddle and it splashed him in the face and we got covered in mud and stuff as well. <laughs> and Well, that put a cat amongst the pigeons because we got to the pits 
and he started no windscreen in, in the trophy truck. He's used to racing with windscreens. Oh. And so he found <laughs> oh, no. a paper plate <laughs> oh, no. and literally bought across these paper plates and through the interpreter was waving the paper plate in front of his face. And we're going, you can't be serious. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, he was. This dude was Yangi, top lad. Yangi was so dead serious that for that water puddle... We had to pull the paper plates out <laughs> in front of our <laughs> And so the next morning, I'm like, I'm not putting these bloody paper plates in the car. You can get stuffed. Anyway, he snuck them in and uh, we're hammering off out of Fink and it's beautiful crisp morning. Brad's auto is just ripping and uh, we're having a great time in this, this thing. And I see the, what's left of the puddle. You know, we've had hundreds of bikes through there as well. There's no puddle left. There's no, there's no, <laughs> it's just carved and it's a flat section that this truck can just be pinned against the wall. Yep. There's nothing in it. Yep. And he slows down. And I'm going, looking at him, for, the, for your listeners, I'm looking at this dude going, what the hell are you doing? And I'm, we used hand signals for the entire race. Yeah. yeah. No, yep. no English, but... But go, stop. Yep, yep. That was it. So everything else was hand signals. Yep. We'd formulated hand signals plus a punch. And, <laughs> and, big um, one. and I'm looking at him going, go, go, go. And he's like, and he's fumbling for this bloody paper plates. <laughs> and he manages oh. to get his helmet oh, in front of his helmet. <laughs> a paper plate Shit. in a $275,000 trophy truck. <laughs> <laughs> That should be nearly sitting on its back wheels through here. And it's like, oh, anyway. We what succeed. an experience. What <laughs> we, an experience. We succeeded to the later part of the track. And again, those that have done the track, the last 30 Ks starts to wind up a little bit. And you get a few switchbacks. Yep. And some really cool fun popping in and out of creek lines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I love them too. It's yeah. just really fun just popping it. And the Pop shit the part about in. the bikes is it's all just uh, bull dust and that for us. So we, yeah. <laughs> we can't see any of the big bumps, but you guys in the big cars can probably just fly. Well, Tom, I'm in a big car. I don't care about the big bumps almost. <laughs> Trust me, that you get in a trophy truck, and a trophy truck is lounge chair racing. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of adrenaline punched in it. You don't feel any of the whoops that are there. You, you very rarely ever feel them unless you make a mistake. It, it, it was is, funny. I had the same thing the other day. I took Dad off. Got me cousin's um, Polaris buggy and we went to the Noonie for a beer, didn't we, Dad? Yeah. And then on the way home, I said, oh, just, his dad's just not long had a hip re replacement on both sides. So I said, how's your hip going? He goes, no, no, I'll tell you if it's no good. So I was like, right, then we'll have a few beers from Indua. <laughs> Anyways, he come around this corner and got down the track and I said to Dad, you know, the best part about having this suspension is if you're slightly off the track, you know, you can have this thing sideways and it's going across the top of the ruts that are there and across care. the other side and it doesn't matter where it is. And, and, you know, like we only think about it in the big world of the trophy trucks, which I've never ever been in, but, um, you know, how good they must really be when you can just really use the whole road and not have to be specific to the ruts, yeah. you know. Well, my Chinese friend... <laughs> <laughs> My Chinese friend. Yang Yingy. Yangy. Ying Yangy. Yangy. He uh we were just in those switchbacks, just coming up to the first of the creek lines coming back into Alice. 
and I know it's coming. We, we'd been holding it pretty flat. We'd passed, uh, I, I know we passed a, a truck um, on the whoops that I know was well over a $450,000 rig, yeah. and we passed it. Chinese men passed it on top of the whoops, and I'm going, I'm proud of you, brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so proud. We're winding up. I still wasn't letting him crest jumps hard, but we were winding up, and uh, we come for the first switchbacks, and I'm going, just give him the old right turn, slow down. So hand signal to yep. slow down, yep. right turn. You know, I want you to bring it down. We'll probably settle it up, drop it in a second, and push it through this berm. And so I'm just trying to do the hand signals and my hand signals are becoming more furious <laughs> and faster. <laughs> yeah. And there was one where we would clear the fence, uh, sorry, clench your fist, clench yeah. your fist. And I'm not drinking, uh, clench your fist <laughs> to say, I'm serious about this. Yeah. And uh, he's got it buried to the wall. And uh, oh, I'm seeing this right turn come up and a burn. I'm going, this is not good. There's a couple of really sharp ones right there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And enough that I leant over and just punched him in the arm and then started waving again. Slow down, slow down. He looks at me while driving. I don't know why you do that. <laughs> Take yourself <laughs> off the road. Takes his eye off his road. At, and we're probably doing 170s. And um, anyway, we hit this berm. I'd. Um, I'd ripped it to second, which wasn't kind on the training, but I'd ripped it to second. And uh, we went sideways onto this berm, off the berm, sideways. Oh, shit. And um, I'm gone. We're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. gone. Yeah. This is gone. Yeah. And I look out my window because being the navigator, you normally cop a bit more. Um, and it was built as a right-hand drive truck, so... Um, in Baja they're nearly all lefts and I'm going yeah I know what it's like being a navvy now yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cop all of this and I see a bunch of trees coming and I'm going you know what it's going to hold us up we were going to damage but we won't barrel roll yeah. which I didn't want to do yeah and uh, yeah we, we slammed this set of trees and the tree we hit the car kicked up and then this tree fell across the roof and across the bonnet and there's this tree laying on the car. And I'm like, wow, we're alive. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and my hand automatically rips first gear. And he's looking at me going, I said, go! Give it to him. Give it to We're on Go, 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 go. And I'm just screaming in to go. And we literally drove out under this tree. And luckily it was dead. How, how far was this after you'd passed the other truck? Oh. 10, 15, okay. So you still probably would have had them in the mind that if you I mucked around for too them. long. I actually didn't care about them. I was just like, no, no, we're alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're alive. And we're I in think, the zone. Let's I just keep going. I think this truck's yeah. alive. I think this truck is still going. Yep. Yep. And I was just screaming, go, go, go. And we literally drove out under this tree and back on the track and finished about 30th or something. <laughs> and um, I was just like... I just told him to shake the wheel as he's going. He's still looking at me going, yeah. what the hell happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. Go, son, go. And that last run in again into, into Alice is an awesome bit of fun in a car. Um, didn't care about behind me, you know. Nah. I, I didn't care. Okay. At that stage, yeah, I, thought, I, really I thought that might have been the whole let's get out before him, otherwise you've got to probably fight him again through the dust yeah. and the windy stuff on the way yeah. back in. But yeah, I, yeah. No, I yep. never thought about that. I just, I, I just wanted to get out of this tree. Yep. And you, go. You just relieved you're still upright. Yeah, I wanted it like you know, <laughs> uh, Brad Gallard and, and others ripped 
complete diff assemblies out hitting stuff like yeah. that. And I just thought, you know, we, we've got it. The motor's still run. We've got to be half alive here. Yeah. We've got to have a go. Just got oil pressure. We're good. Yeah. And I just didn't even bother checking them. I, just, <laughs> I literally just went and, and yeah. ripped first gear and told him to get out of there. And we took off. And I remember speaking to uh, Amber, I think Amber, Amber Bell. She was a girl team running a Polaris. And she remembers, oh, I remember that corner. Why is that? There was a tree on the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. It all splintered up and everything. But uh, she goes, yeah, there's a tree. I remember that corner. Yeah, we carted it on our roof table. So uh, but that's... Uh, so the Chinese led us through those progressions because we're talking about Baja now. And that then led Yangi to say, come over to China. Um, yeah. So we shipped... We fixed the damage. Um, and then shipped the car to China for him. Um, and how he got into China is just, I don't want to know. Yeah. You know, we're lucky with some of our tariffs. They were going to charge him 65000 in tariffs. Holy shit. What? Shit. So um, I believe it drove across the Vietnam border, across uh, one of the river crossings. Yep. Uh, it's a bridge, but a yep. river crossing yep. with, a, yep. with a Chinese car plate on the back. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, that's how they got it yeah. into China. So, but... Um, he contacted us and said, come to China. I want you to come and show us how, show my team how to fix the car. Yep. You know, so um, we went over there for three weeks um, and we, I took my helmet and everything. You're like, you don't go racing. No, without no. Your gear. Just in case. No, I would you definitely have run it. I'd, he'd intimated that he wanted me to navigate for him and um, they call it piloting, uh, navigate for him. And I'm like, no, no, you, you've got to, crew you need your crew to do it you know yeah i'll go and show your crew how to fix the car and stuff like this and, but no he was dead set i was going to navigate for him in the tackler mccann rally a four thousand kilometer rally holy shit it is the six month opposite of the dakar rally yeah and so this is 2016 yep and <clears throat> so we go over and we do the tackler mccann rally and i'm the white boy <laughs> and uh it was just it was awesome we we unfortunately we, we um we did another trans we we left a very beautiful engine on the chinese highway uh in pieces um so we didn't make the race uh but it was awesome going through some of the mongolian landscape and and so we're up in the Xinjiang province up in the the northwest um, where they've had some troubles over the time with yep. some some uh, issues, but the people up there were beautiful. Yeah. Um, but we had a, a wicked time up there seeing people, and we like like with Wolfpack when Wolfpack had come to Australia, they bought their own TV channel with them, their own sports channel mm. came with them. You don't get that with other motorsports. No. no. They brought Chinese Five Sports Channel. So when they did the Fink Desert Race the first time. It went to three million viewers. Mm. Three million viewers. Incredible. I paid for really. Yeah, yeah. But no one else paid for. Yep. And so when we're over there, I I would have a lineup of media wanting to ask me the exact same question again and again and again <laughs> when we're in the pits about racing, and some were interested in my policing days and how I got from being a police officer to being a race car driver. Apparently. I'm a good race car driver. Famous. <laughs> Famous. <laughs> Famous. And so, you know, we know that we went to five plus million people yeah. while we're over there. Um, we know through the sources that it went to the Chinese state media 
the military-run media. They ran an article on us as well. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome environment. Um, lovely people. Um, and the scenery was wild. You know, like with Dakar, cooler than Dakar was freezing cold. We were seeing snow-capped mountains. And we were cruising down uh, in the the pre-run stages of, of getting to, or transport stages getting to different um, start points, we were cruising down highways at 120 mm. in a trophy truck. <laughs> With no window. With no window. <laughs> How, paper paper plate. plates. How good is that? Paper plate in the back area. You know, I love a good street rod, and I, I notice you've got a, a nice street rod yeah, on your arm on there, there, but, you know, cruising in a trophy truck. Yeah, no, that's on way cool. highway. That's way cooler than the rod. <laughs> So uh, that was fun, and, but that led me to meet a bloke called Oscar. Yep. Oscar's a Chinese lad, speaks fantastic English, every swear word you can come up with. Um, <laughs> but he was building cars for another guy. Um, and um, after that race, he contacted us and said, uh, my boss um, wants you to come to China and race one of his cars. So we then turned around and uh, in 2016, late 2016, we went and raced in, Amer in China again, up more closer to the sort of the eastern side, a little Mongolian sort of area again. So um, we went and raced and uh, then we became four white fellas. And um, whilst two of them were Hispanic, we were compared to the rest of the Chinese population surrounded us, we were the white fellas. Yep. And we were the, the media postage. Um, they had our faces on all the posters everywhere. For basically like for all the advertising. <coughs> all the advertising. International, use classes international. Yeah, and also the sponsorship. Yep. We talked about sponsorship and how to get money out of governments. They were getting money out of governments to bring um, Europeans over to race. Over yeah. to race. What yeah. they considered famous race car drivers. Yeah, They'd yeah. They'd already done five million plus reach in the media yeah. per, per night. Yeah. Um, so... In my own mindset, I was kind yeah. of famous. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. so, and we did everything right. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. We did the respect. And yeah. Even if I didn't like something, you still did the respect about it. Yeah, of course. And of you, course. you were now representing Australia mm. in another country. And if there was any way you wanted to tell them that you should come visit Australia. Drop come, it as much as you could. You drop it as much as you could. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you wave the Aussie flag around as yeah, much of course. as you could. Of, yeah. of course you do, Yeah. And that race, uh, we prologued. They did like a motocross track. And they'd built facilities and everything for this. And uh, it was like a motocross track we were prologuing on. It started out with three cars. Uh, so there was Ross Boland, who you've met. Um, <laughs> Sean Cook, yep. who we've talked about and we're yep. about to talk about more. Uh, then there was Alonso, yep. um, Mexican-American. Uh, he was then the 2016 uh, Pro Turbo UTV Championship uh, champion winner for score. And Jesus, uh, Jesus or Jesus Leon. Um, unfortunately, another friend who lost his life mm. recently mm. Um, in, a, in a motorsports event. And he was a Mexican lad as well. So the, there was the four of us, the four amigos playing over in China land. Yeah. And, um, Quite the mix too there. It is. But... You, you meet fantastic friends in motorsports. And uh, so I had this shark-looking trophy truck from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And 
Oscar has since told me that they never thought that thing would even finish the prologue laps. They thought it was gone. It'd come out of a showroom somewhere. And uh, we managed with the the boys went out in their buggies first and Sean had a like a seven litre dry sump buggy and it only got two laps in testing. <laughs> and spat a seal out and all this little weird stuff. And my old truck was still going. I was like, hmm, that's funny. And uh, had ball joint uppers and everything. So we went out there and Alonzo jumped in as my navvy. And we'd done some mechanical work. We'd put an oil cooler in it where they'd removed one and bastardized some of the other buggies for bits. We went out and did this. We had no idea what prologue was for them, but it was four laps apparently. Yep. I, that's what they told us. Yep. Well, they four didn't laps. tell us. Okay. They just sent us out there <laughs> through a tunnel, popped through a tunnel and up into the middle of this, uh, this horse racing arena where they'd created this thing and there's crowds in there. <laughs> there. And we're just punching these big soft berms, having a good time. And I said to Alonzo, one of these stupid things you do, we knew it had ball joint front ends. We didn't know how hard we could push it. We thought we were going to be broken before we started. So we've seen this jump coming up. And we said, what do you reckon? Give it a what? And Alonzo goes, yeah, give it. <laughs> and so we punched it off. the Massive jump, airborne everywhere, tabletop this thing. And just kept doing it. And the crowd loved it. And we loved it. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we played with trans issues and stuff was just getting hotter as we were going around and around and around. And somehow we, we prologue seventh. Well, that's not bad. Yep. Then the next day we started the race and uh, Oscar gave us a GPS, one of those little handheld things. Yep. Real small, smaller than your average phone. No pre-reading of notes. We didn't know where we are going. And um, it was in Chinese. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, no. And my Mexican friend... He didn't read Chinese and wasn't that great at English necessarily. Alonzo, I love you bits. I'll see you soon, brother. Um, so we just threw the GPS back at Oscar and said, what the hell? <laughs> so we just played tag along. And, yeah. um, just, just following cars again. Yeah. We, we, you know, the day before we'd done the big Chinese flags, big powder puffs, cere full ceremonial military uh, event. Um, and there was four the four amigos standing at the very stage. We were, that's how much they put us. We were at the front of the stage for the entire Wow, unreal. It was like, this is daunting. And um, we'd done like you do in Mexico and we were throwing stickers out, sticker, sticker everywhere yeah. going, whatever we had, we were giving away to people. So when come race day, we took off down the ramp. We we're off. Where do we go? <laughs> Left or right? And I'm looking at my navigator, my Mexican American <laughs> navigator, navigator. doesn't know where to go either. Where are we going? Left or right? Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> it was. So we did, basically did U-turns out on the highway until we just sat there and said, well, it's only going to be a minute before the next The next one comes there. through, yeah. Because the other minute, the other car had taken off, yeah. he'd gone. Yeah. So we waited for the next car. <laughs> and we just followed him. And lucky it was a, like a pre-stage. And we just followed them on the highway. Yep. Again, but there were police lining the towns. It was awesome to see. We were just marauding in this truck. I was going to say, at least it would have looked like you were sort of doing a bit of a show-off, just driving around <laughs> publicity stunt. So we, we just cruised with this other car and then at some stage, about a 100k stage before we got to the race. Yeah, so it was just the, tra just like the transport, transport stage. Yeah. Well, we didn't oh, know. shit. Yeah. Oh, so you're, were you up at the... No, not, we didn't get up at the start. We, we, we did the show off the line yeah. and all that. And then we're like, well, we've got to wait for a car. <laughs> so we just stuck behind this thing and it was... We knew we were on a highway, so 
we would presume it was a speed zone. Just followed them and then the pack just grew. We had a pack of five buggies in a truck that looked like a shark. Yeah. Marauding the highway. <laughs> and we were taking I up of this shark. I love the shark. Well, I, the, the, when I picture the shark, I, I think of that Megalodon. Yeah, and the, 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 the fucking... What um, is that called? Monster, monster truck. The monster truck. That's, yeah, what, that's what, Megal- what I'm picturing, but... Pretty much it, small have, it was nearly that ugly. <laughs> Did it have a fin on the roof of it? No. No, yeah. oh. no sorry. Oh. It had a number on the roof, but not a... Not a <laughs> Shark fin Not a shark fin number no. But again like, like the first time Marauding the highway With five Others V8s Cruising down the bay Taking up the whole highway Four cool. lane highway cool. Either side was Cruising along Oh it was just awesome And then Yeah they Got into the race And it was just The dirt marks Went left The dirt marks Went right We just followed it and The car we didn't play So we, every corner We had to feather the throttle Yeah Yeah um, to step it out and Alonzo's like every navigator I've come across I don't know whether any of you guys know where you're going when you're racing but they all get their lefts and their rights wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so Ross, we're in China Ross, my dad used to race rally cars back in his days yeah. so Harry that, what do you would, reckon can a navigator actually a navigate or not really some of them can yeah some maybe but yeah no you're right yeah they'll still call a left and a right and a right's a left and yeah and sometimes it's when, when they get it mixed up it, it's shit <laughs> I think that's why you've got to get them to still use hand signalling. Yeah. Because they get that right. Yeah. How did they you know. do it, Dad? What What was the Navian back in the rally back in your era? I mean, I think were you in a Mazda Capella back in the day or something like that? Yeah, Mazda, little Mazda Capella. Brought it for 700 bucks. Put a one rear tyre on, I think. Got roadworthy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a recap, was it? <laughs> no. It was a gen- Back yeah, then no, it yeah. probably was. Why not? Yeah, we just sort of drove point to point then, like... Um, we had hel- like a helder in it, like a like a measure. Yes. Yep. So yeah, yeah, I've seen you know, that. Yeah, it might be yeah, two point four turn right. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then more of an analog style one. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, five k's. Yeah, T in the section. I can't navigate, by the way. Yeah. Even though I've done a four thousand k race, I can't. It was actually hard to get a navigator, a good navigator, to do that because they were reading the map, um, and every time you turned, they had to zero. Yes. They yeah. Zero. Yep. Though. Yep. From that yep. point. Yeah. yeah. And it still is today. Yeah, a lot of races we come in and it just, you know, the windows would be open. They'd be wide as it goes. They'd just be spewed inside the car. <laughs> it was really, yeah. It was really hard for them to do it. I, I don't know. Because they spent so much time looking down, Harry. Yeah. I yep. drove. Yep. I don't. I drove. I don't know whether I could could have done it. I yep. don't know. I was, I was lucky. I had a bloody good navigator. Real yeah. good. Yeah, I could put it anywhere, and he didn't blink an eyelid. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'd come in some nights <laughs> into the checkpoints, and yeah, that'd be that white as a ghost. White as a ghost. Big I, crook. Yeah. I what, learned what to navigate pretty that? fast. I, I was pretty happy with the way we learned to navigate. But I, I in, in China, was we got road books there. Yeah. And there were still paper road books, mm. and you only get them the the night before, in Chinese. And French, <laughs> yeah. Because many of your road books are still in French nowadays over there. But so, and um, yeah, we we actually had to talk to a another dude who was riding for a, a private KTM team over there, um, and uh, I can't remember his name. He had to show me how to use this road book. Yep. And and I had to tell the Chinese people how to you know what I meant by a highlighter. And yeah. stuff like we were lucky to be able to <laughs> yeah. get some of that stuff and colour yeah. it in, and we learned pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah we're the same. We sort of highlight stuff, you know. And in some places we'd go where you might come to an intersection and then it'd say exit northwest. Yes, 
Yeah, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the bush, after you've done 40 turns, mm. which way's north? Yeah. 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 Or at least nowadays we're lucky that the, the machines that we're running in the cars have, have got a little arrow on it and a, and a degree reading, so but you've still got to match that. The navigator yep. has to match that to what they're seeing mm. on the system in front of them and zero it, as you said, because those that haven't done any of these notebooks, as you've seen, Harry, is you'll go 5.3 kilometres straight um, right at and it'll be a symbol or similar, and then it'll give you a new kilometre reading. Yeah, yeah. Meter, meter reading. Yes. And if you didn't zero, yeah. that so, yeah. metre reading's wrong. Yeah. So, so you, right. you'll miss your turn. Are yeah. you, just going off that there, are you zeroing at the actual apex or are you zeroing as you start the turn? Or oh, I, look, That's I, the thing. I've, I've, I, I've always asked that, I wanted to ask that question. When you're reading the road book, you see them, they, they, they can press a button that can roll through. You press the next button and it moves up that next one so you get that yeah. highlight what it is. When you get there and you can press it, like you have a look at the towers that they run on those on the rally bikes. Yeah. When they press the button for it to go up, it does the meter reset for you and it moves to the next order for it to come up on. Yep. I don't know where they press the button. Do they press the button when they actually hit the apex of the corner or when you're about to take it? Because if I don't it's, know, mate. Yeah, it's yeah. on how sideways you are, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, it probably yeah. depends on the rally because if there's if it's not a, a a rally where there's you know block rally or whatever, if if there's not a big difference in <clears throat> if there's not a left and a right at the same time, yeah. and it's pretty obvious. I mean, if you were probably within, you know, let's say twenty meters of your of yeah. your of your because there was pushing point where you probably off, got it. You know, there was confusion going off like a couple of years ago at Dakar when they had that. There was those two turns that they could have possibly taken, and that was when one of the teams got the right corner and everyone else got the wrong corner, and it was only separated by thirty meters. Yeah, yeah, so that's where... We'll and that's the reason why... Yeah, that's the reason why. I've always been a question I wanted to ask and I thought that you might have been up. I, I would think that a 30-metre error is is probably a nav error. Like, yeah, as in, you, you, you... Somewhere in that apex, whether it's the first two metres through it or the last four metres, there was only, a reset. Yeah. So to, to get 30 metres out, many of them are missing them well it was because it was only the one team that managed to go through and they got the the actual checkpoint right because they had a fuel stop right on that section yeah and then everyone else you remember a couple of years ago what what people don't also know until you start doing this is most of these checkpoints are vcps yeah yeah they're not even real no 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 that's right you don't have a flag there to to highlight it's just it's a ping in the sky that's right yeah and if you don't get within virtual checkpoint yeah each of those checkpoints, and you'll get briefed depending on the event to how close those you can go to are. check it off. Yeah. And the Baja, we, we run similar. We don't run a, a, a road book. Yeah. We run a, a low rants or one of the yep. very similar tablets or whatever, but we do run VCPs or checkpoints, and you've got to hit your checkpoints. Yeah. And um, each event may be slightly different, but 30 meter variation, you should be able to hopefully get it. But Toby has always, Toby Price has always said he's not the strongest in his road booking. Yeah. Um, he, and was, he was one of the ones that missed it. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Was a lot, yeah. There was a lot of other boys that missed it yeah. as well. Just uh, That's the reason why I thought I'd ask because, yeah, like he, he's one of the best out there that's ever been yeah. around and a bloke like him to miss it, whether he... I don't know whether for that race, for that day, whether they moved the, the actual checkpoints back 50 metres, I don't know. But it was just, for me, it was just seemed strange how... Someone like him and then everyone else that were front runners. Sometimes, and 
I didn't do that event. Yep. I don't do that event, and yep. I'm nowhere near skilled as that man. <laughs> no, no, so no. So I, I probably don't even feel reasonable and fair to comment, but there is a degree where you, you're following. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're just if something's distracted you before, you can be off, and yeah, and there may have been a series of things that kept people distracted and they were trying to hold on to something else. And yeah. I think it was a case they saw someone who was a leader going there and then everyone else yep. just started following. Yeah, well, that tends to happen, doesn't it? It in, does. In we, we found in China, because I definitely, at the beginning of the first day, I was terrible at navving, um, and we found we missed a checkpoint, not a checkpoint, but we missed a, an entry point yep. into a river crossing. And so we sailed past this crow and we didn't quite see it. And we're up on a plateau, not a massive plateau, like only four metres up or something. Mm. And we were not the only car. No. There, there were, in fact, Circling the others the followed us in. Yeah. We had to, this is not right, go back, go back and slow down. And that's where you've got to get, as a rider, you've got to control it yourself. Yep. And you've got to back pace your <coughs> notes. Um, but as a driver, you just got to learn you, to slow and listen to what he's saying yeah. so that you can, you can regain that and... Do your, your reverse navy to, to work it out. And uh, we were lucky we we seen a few people yeah. <laughs> over on this river. Because I didn't think we could cross that river anyway, and yeah. we nearly didn't, but many cars were stuck in that river. But, um, yeah, so you've got to, you're using visuals as well as what's mm. in front of you. Yep. And it'll be the same. It'll be the same for us in Baja yep. in, a, in, a, um, because in a couple I, of weeks' time. Just going off, what again, sort of this is branching off. Down in Vic a couple of years ago, more than a couple, it'd be probably about eight years ago now, we did a, um, a, a group of us did it for a, just to see how far we could go. We just dropped random checkpoints on your GPS. No one knew which the next GPS was because everyone just went, you've got to pick five random points. You pick five random and you pick five random. So that way then there was 15 points you had to hit and it was in an order. So then it might, I might be one and two and then you might have three, and you'll have four, five, six, and then I'll have seven. So you're zigzagging all over the place. And as the checkpoints went down on our little um, e-trexes that we were running, it'd just go to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And it was sort of like we were trialling to see if it was called... It was called mystery checkpoints. Oh, yeah. So we just had an area in one section that we were riding, <coughs> similar to that, but we could take whatever line you wanted to go. So there was no... You only had to get to the next checkpoint, and once your GPS had acknowledged that you were there, it'd go to... Go to, next one. It was a bit of fun doing it because if you wanted to take the quick short line, like a quick line, you could go straight up a hill. Yeah. But then if you didn't make it, of course, you had to come back down and had to try and find a chicken line to get to it. Or you had to, so it was pros and cons. And it's always intrigued me like about with these, like the road books guidance, following things like a couple of the other events that I've done, you'll run two GPSs. One will be where you've got your downloaded map that you're going to go on which gives you an overview of where you're going to be for the next couple of hundred metres. Yep. And then you'll have the next one, which is your overlay beside, which will be zoomed in within 20 metres to try and stay as close as you can on the track in case there is a checkpoint that you're going to miss. But we had this one that was just a random. Yeah. It was, it was a cool event, and I'd love to do something like that up here on the bikes. But anyway. Well, San, San Felipe, they, in, in Mexico, they run um, essentially checkpoints, but yep. they also run open slather of how to get there yeah yeah and that was similar to what this was yeah and um but the rest of the score series are restrained so you can only be within from memory something like 10 meters of of the race line yeah so you can't just shortcut yeah, so i've shortcut. seen others 
in previous races tracking them and go, how did they get that far ahead? Because on that particular race, they had an open sleigh that they could jump, yeah. literally jump a mountain nearly yeah, and, and land down in, in where it could be. But um, that's not the case. But No, it, it, it was a cool concept that we just tried to something completely different because sometimes you'd be crossing over where you just came from. Two checkpoints ago, you got to go basically almost completely back to where you had to go. But you could only tick that one off when you got to it. Yeah. Once you got to it, then it'll give you the next one. And I, all I was doing was just straight line and everything. Like you just get your little arrow, go to. And I'm just trying to straight line everything. And you, it's it, like some of the hills that you're climbing up, was it was awesome. But then you'll get other people that'll pass you because they've gone out and around because they've remembered that there was a smaller incline on the other side so they could quickly run around the back of the hill. And the arrow's just guiding you whereabouts you've got to go to and you've got metre readings to how far it is. It was a bit of fun, but, yeah, I know that there's a, there's a couple of events out there that are like that, but a lot of them are all mainly... I'll even, um, I'll even touch back, Dad, to yeah. some of the... Like when you were doing the rallies, like you were doing it at night in the dark. Like that's, yeah, you know, it was like all dark this. because I didn't... Uh, we Couldn't just, close the roads off during no, the day. They didn't close the roads off at all. It was just in, so it was all done at night time. Just in the bush out the back. So it was all done at night. So it was, yeah, more so to, uh, yeah, if, it was some, if there was someone coming the other way, you could hopefully see. you could see the headlights. <laughs> could you, did you just get your maps at all in time to get an idea where you were, Dad? Or no, like you'd, get, you'd get them on a night. You'd go, yeah, you'd have your meeting, your starting point. Yeah. Uh, you'd get the maps then. Yeah. Yeah, at a certain time to sort of browse through and get a bit of a rough idea, roughly where you're going. Yeah, would you get of, the Would you get the map book out, paper maps out, and sort of run through where you're going? I mean, yeah, I know you're yeah, probably you familiar with a yeah. lot of that territory, but yeah, is you, that didn't you, that, you didn't get that much of an idea really. They didn't okay. sort of let on too much where you're going until you actually sort of got going. Yeah, yep. You could work some of it out, but um, and I think that puts another, you know, just touching on it, but just puts another element on yeah. doing stuff in the yeah. dark because, yep, yep. I mean, it's easy flying through yep. the bush during the daytime and seeing a runoff. But, but all when you're light, in the yeah. dark and, you know, lights back in them days, yeah. you know, the LED, you know, um, spotties and that weren't out back then. They were just the old oh, halogen no, ones. Yeah. And I, well, I had, uh, I had a set of uh, navas on the front of, the front of a little car, you know. I thought they were bloody crash hot. <laughs> Put them on now to look like bloody cans. <laughs> <laughs> a pair of dolphin torches hanging off the front. Yeah, you know, that, that, that was it. That was back in the day. That was what we had and we thought it was good. But Yeah, yeah that's all you had though. That's you know, all we that's, had. That's what, yeah, that was what it was got. about back yeah. then. But No, I was just wanting to touch base on that. You yeah. Know, like it's, you know, you're going off a turn left in 3K but you're, you're yeah. flying through in the dark. Yeah, yeah look, with, it's... With shit yeah. lights going. Yeah. But we had information boards and, you know, we had, there was checkpoints all the way around as we went through the night. Um, yeah, and if you missed a corner uh, and didn't get the right track or you took a shortcut on that track, there might have been an information board, you know, oh, turn back. A oh, or right B right. or, or yep. yeah, and you had to write that down. Ah, okay. So if you got to the checkpoint and you didn't have A wrote down, yeah, yeah you'd missed the wrong track. Yep, you know that, you yeah. Took, you took a shortcut, so that, yeah, that was, that was against you. Ah, yep. cool. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. back at... And just that was that. Was all that in through like the sort of the kebabini and all that? Yeah, or in Surania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The back kebabini. Yeah. yeah. But we yeah, we used to go over around uh, Mount Gambier, Millicent. Yep. Tantanola. In through we, all the pines yeah, and like through there. Yeah. The pines a lot. Yep. In pine trees and that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. No, no, I just want to touch base. Just that's. Yeah, no, it's, it's just another element. Other, another when element. We're talking about the nav, you know, like yeah, you're dealing yeah. with some of the most state of the art stuff with you know, the rants, nav kits and that. With with the Baja stuff and you know 
just total different worlds, you know. Now as well, to add to that, like, so as you said, so Chinese have brought us to, to America through Sean. Uh, this will be our third race. But there's navigation is very important in the Baja compared yeah. to Fink. Yep. Yeah. Fink is, you know, I, I, I've liked all my navvies, but I don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. We, we talk about this. Rookie, me and you have had this discussion. Yeah. Rookie and I have gone down to to a couple of things together in the car and um, <laughs> we just talk like that, that, that American that yeah. Toby Bryce have. Yeah. I don't even reckon he'd say anything apart nah. from fuck, that was awesome. Yeah, that's right. that was yeah. yeah, Jesus, mate, you like, might, yeah, like I thought you were going to go faster, but he gets his camera out and he's taking selfies and shit. I'm like, you know, there's no, like probably, you know, like last year Smoothie, like he would definitely listen to, to, uh, to Walshie, to, to yeah. Walshie yes. because um, Walshie, the Walshie crash would, so well. would know every single uh, nook and cranny that there is in that track. Yep. But as for Toby Price, I mean, like, wow, what a navvy What are you going to tell Toby, really? Yeah. But, like, what a job. Get yep. in there and you don't actually have to do anything. No, Just keep sit- an eye on the gauges. Yeah, that's right. Just you're make sitting sure she's running good. Yeah. Hold your bonnet down with your boot. Yeah. yeah. But you're, ho- <laughs> you're sitting beside a bloke who <laughs> possibly knows the track the best out of everyone. Yep. And he's, you're just sitting there. You're, you're a passenger in his car and you haven't got to do anything. Yep. Best navvy job in, a, and, and in, yeah. in the world. Boothie, Boothie would have been... Uh, poor of Boothy to have ignored Walshy. Yep. Yeah. Like, I wish I'd had someone as skilled as Walshy as a Navi. In, yep. in fact, at any race. Yeah. Because they could tell you so much more about the track than you'll ever know. Yeah. They've just ridden it so many times. And that's where you get an absolute madman like Toby. Yeah. That I would say is, everyone would agree he's probably the best rider in the world at the yep. moment. Yeah. Um, well, he did he pretty coming, well over the rally just the other did, day. He did come second. Uh, first in rally, second in world championship. Yep. Um, but in saying that in the trophy truck, I remember talking to him in Alice when he was like, oh, one day I, I'd love to get in a truck. Mm. And I just said to him, mate, you will. Yeah. You keep your beautiful attitude up. And he's yep. got such a lovely attitude and yep. the way he deals with the fans and the people around him. Yeah, he has. Um, I don't think there is a better sportsman in the world, in, in, in do, my in, personal yeah. opinion, I don't think there's a better sportsman uh, in the world. And the skill levels that he's got to go with it, um, you put him in a truck like Paul Will has done, uh, you know, Paul Will from uh, PWR. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, probably the world's best uh, cooling system experts. Yeah. Um, put him in a truck and uh, he went and smashed them in yeah. prologue back at the 500. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a video clip going around of uh, Lauren Healy talking about it, that he'd joked with Toby, um, you know, don't don't go and embarrass us, mate, you know. And um, Toby goes and not embarrasses, but basically embarrasses every single every other person. That's right. In Paul's truck, and mm. and Toby's reply to that was, I was just driving angry. I was just <laughs> driving angry. But I think, and 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 the only, I think in Toby's life in, in all the trucks and overseas. The only bad luck he's had is when the truck won't hold up. Mm. Yes. He's no, always been in, in brilliant positions, good prologues, running good in Bajas or whatever it is. And, and, and the only issues he's had is when the, when the truck shits itself. Mm. Yeah. And that, unfortunately, is going to... They are... Those trucks um, are at the Formula One leading edge of automotive engineering. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see cars on the road take up the technology that 
they are in the trucks and, and in racing anymore. Yep. Uh, in the old days, you would see Formula One and other motorsports would be the beginning and the lead to the engineering that led to our cars. Yeah, yeah. When Toyota was the Toyota O2 advantage and yeah. all these fantastic improvements in engineering technology came from Formula One. I don't think we're going to see that at the same level anymore because of where the automotive industry is going. Yeah. But we are still seeing improvements in off-road. We're seeing uh, motorsports teams and, and builders design transmissions that in the past would have had differentials tearing themselves apart. Yeah. Those that aren't familiar as much with the modern trophy truck, um, whilst expensive, they're running a four-wheel drive system. Yeah. Um, compared to the traditional rear-wheel drive, two-wheel drive only. Yeah. Yeah. The reason, generally, we haven't been running a four-wheel drive system in a full-spec trophy truck is because we would tear the front pinions apart. Yeah. So as you would come and land into a corner, the energy coming back through yeah, the feedback, drive line yeah, feedback would just yeah. shred the pinions and would tear the pinion out of the housing or tear the, the front tail shaft out. Yeah. And it's that much energy. So where we see Masons and others like that, engineers that have developed um, these new transmissions that unload at the right time, whether yeah. it's to do with throttle position, a, a yeah. myriad of yep. technologies that they keep pretty tight. That's what's led to these yeah. the advent of these all-wheel drive trucks, but they're much heavier. Yeah, uh, You still see a lot of two-wheel drive trucks right up their tailpipe, yep. but it's, it's an exciting time in off-road. And so I think I'm lucky to go and play in an extreme uh, four-wheel drive Can-Am mm -hmm. because Can-Am, without a doubt, has put a lot of energy into the, the business as, of course, Polaris has done. Yep. Um, lot I think it's another world, that, isn't it, with the Speed UTV with Robbie Gordon? He's sort of going that way and he's put a lot of research and development into that uh, speed buggy that they're trying to make and I've got a mate that's actually racing the uh, Kalgoorlie Desert Race this weekend and he's KDR. bought a, he's uh he's bought a can am while he's still waiting for the the speed he's got one on order so definitely looking forward to seeing that when he receives it he's been on, obviously on the waiting list for a long time but there's been lots of issues with the speed but that's i think because we're so used to expecting something at the click of our fingers mm. you know no one i think understands fully that you can go and buy an awesome machine like the Can-Am or a Polaris. I say Can-Am. Um, or if you're in the two-wheel world, you'll go and grab yourself a KDM or, or a similar bike of your choice and they're going to perform pretty much within spec of what, what we're saying off the shelf. Um, without a doubt, when you go racing, everything gets changed. But speed, Robbie Gordon has done his own R&D team he didn't have some fancy factory really to back him. So it's been a really long and hard road for them. But I mm. think the product they're producing is, is awesome. A lot of s symmetrical parts so that you can swap them around. It's very interesting to see how that continues to progress. People that I've seen that have got them are really happy with them in most part. You'll always have someone not happy, but yeah. most parts very happy. But you raise Robbie Gordon. We'll bring in another. So we've talked. Greg Gartner. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, Sean Cook, my mate of mine, top bloke, going to go and steal his car and flog the bejesus out of it. So, it's Sean's car that you're Sean's race. car yep. that we're going to race. Yep. It's a Lone Star frame. It's a Can-Am Lone Star frame. 
uh, many other great sponsors. Um, it's only a bit over a year old, uh, probably high 70,000 US dollar car. Yep. Um, used to be Speed Energy sponsored car. Oh, right. And good friends, they're, they're good friends with Robbie Gordon. And uh, Sean was with Speed and, in fact, was a distributor of Speed Energy drinks uh, for quite a long time until uh, they moved separate ways and, and continued. Sean went into different businesses. He retired from being a, a copper and went into different business now. But, um, yeah, so when I first raced, I was a Speed Energy drink sponsored oh, part of the team. There you go. There you go. Oh, so we had a slab. Oh, and I say a slab, but I don't mean just like a 2020 pack. No. I mean a slab, a, a whole pallet full of speed that we were loading into the chase truck to throw away. Like in Mexico, when you get up onto the stand at the, the uh, scrutineering, um, you're literally chucking cans of drinks into the crowds for people. And well, wow, that's cool to throw away the product, but if they don't catch it... <laughs> so, but you, you would sort of be going, if I throw three at once... Yeah, is it, is it an overarm or a Greg Chappell underarm? <laughs> so you kind of do, you're kind of lobbing them in underarms at people and people are going wild um, at, at the start point of the races in, in the prologue or the yeah. scrutineering phase. It's a totally different world. The Fink Desert Race have done an amazing job in developing their scrutineering night as a real showstopper for Australia. And I know the Kalgoorlie Desert Race running this weekend, yep. uh, Raglan's Drilling, another good lad. Yep. Um, they're trying to develop the same protocol with that. And, of course, it's also a tourism-based event. Um, they've done some great YouTube clips leading up to the KDR. But the, when you do the, the um, scrutineering, or has another name in America... But it is all the major players in the off-road industry have tech stands all the way along. And um, you're meeting all these people. I met, you know, I meet Brett King, who is King's off-road shocks. I meet him every time. I met Greg Mulkey from Raceline Wheels and all these people that in our industry, for the off-road industry, we've been pretty excited about seeing. And they, they are just standing there going, here you go, mate. <laughs> Oh, you're from Australia. How cool is that? <laughs> so you get to have a great time talking to people with, with people just literally pushing in on you at the same time. You don't get to see really everyone, but there's just mm. people everywhere and you're cruising with your gear to throw away and all your stickers to throw away. and It's an awesome event, but, yeah, chucking away half a pallet of speed energy drink on the podium is a bit dangerous. <laughs> chucking <laughs> Oops, sorry. Yeah, jeez, no. that's another black eye for the day. Yeah, oh, they've got a story they can go home and tell everyone. Yeah, I copped the can. Yeah, you know, I... but it's pretty awesome. So we're lucky to have been involved in crews like that. So yeah. when when are you flying out to head over there? Because Ben, it's only about four weeks away. Four January. Five, sorry, four November, not January. Fourth yeah. of November. Fourth of November. Yeah. So um, is the car ready? Have the guys got it ready for you now? Are you got to go over and get involved in the prep for it? Are you Hollywooding? He's... Are you Hollywooding again? <laughs> <laughs> I am Hollywooding. <laughs> I'm not Hollywooding as much. It, it turned out cheaper, a lot cheaper flight-wise for me to take the, the flight dates that I've got. I think I saved over $1,000 in a one-way ticket yep. um, by leaving a couple of days earlier. Um, and there's no... I'm not going to work on a Saturday, so I may as well fly out on a Saturday. Um, you, you wouldn't believe this, but the crew are racing today in that race car oh cool yeah so they're doing the gold rush 
in an old um, Wild West town, mm-hmm. uh, part of Vora, um, Valley Off-Road Racing Association. So it's a 320-mile race they're racing. In the car, we're going to do a 1,300-mile <laughs> race in, in less than a month's time. So Sean tells me that we've got everything we need and uh, even if they break it, they've got every part we need to replace everything. Oh, right. They'll have it stripped by Sunday night and he reckons by the time I get there on Saturday the 4th, um, I'll land in through San Francisco and he reckons the car will be done. Uh, but I've made sure he understands that like, I'm, I'm not Hollywood, yeah. despite <laughs> having to dance around business and family. Um, as soon as we get there, if we're going to fix the car, we go to the shed. Yep. We go to the shed and we get it done. Yeah, we f- get the car fixed. So, have you we- got have you got um, have you got some sponsors in Australia that are helping you get there to do it, or are these guys really helping you to do it, or are you financially just putting your own money into to getting there to race this, or how? I mean, you don't have to talk figures, but are, are, are these guys really helping you with your past history to try and put you in a race car or I, I is love this you, just your I love your question it's a nice question is this just your dream and you, and, 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 <laughs> and spin, you fork spin it around, out spin around a bit of a promoter so it, it's off my own back my business back yep so off bowl and plant and off road um that's my own business has been for 10 years we've had a workshop um you know we've built trophy trucks to go overseas but fundamentally we're a heavy industry uh do diggers and uh that type of equipment, fixed plant. So uh, I'm now down to just myself and, and a guy I hire casually. So it's just me now. Um, COVID knocked the shit out of us. Mm, yeah. We survived COVID rather well considering. But yep. um, so we've, we fund ourselves predominantly. Um, whilst uh, Sean doesn't, I help Sean out where I can. Yep. So I'm, I'm helping the team out. I've had phone calls in the middle of the night. Like I've got, got up to go for a, a walk to the toilet and check on a race, race update and the car's stationary. And next minute I'm ringing Mexico. What's going on? Why is the car not moving? What's wrong? And next minute I've got a laptop open and I'm scanning wiring diagrams or going through. And so Sean as a team has really valued what we've brought to what, the table. What, what input yeah. you've been able to have, yep. Yeah, not just as not just as as a driver. And I'll pat myself on the back and think I, I successfully run as a smooth driver. I run fast and smooth. Yep. I've still got a lot of speed to, to gain, uh, but I run fast and smooth. I, I'm really, I try not to be hard on the gear yep. because it'll get us there. And then running smooth will get me faster through the corners. So Sean recognised that, he likes it. He saw that in China when we were together. Um, and he's seen me since race and do really well. Like the first in 2019, the last race, I started the race for him. Uh, we took the car from 12th to third place on track within class within 70 miles. Mm. Um, then we had mechanical issues. And then we ended up racing in the night, trying to get to the pits <laughs> and yep. um, with mud all over our lights. <laughs> Worse than Sibby Oscars. But um, no paper plates. No paper plates. <laughs> We'd give definitely. I banned them from the car. But um, so we do it off ourselves. I I chip in more to the team. I think. Um, but saying that, I'm so honoured to have a driver's seat offered to me. If I can get to the states, and there is a race on, I'm driving that car. Yep. Yeah. And I have to be proud of that. I have to 
be so respectful of the fact that Sean trusts me with his equipment and all his sponsors trust me with their equipment that they go, if Ross is in town, we want him to drive for us. Yeah, it's good, mate. That's and good. they've been fanging, fanging for us to get over there. Yep. Um, you know, in the early days, we helped them sort of understand the importance of packing out equipment to make sure everything's spaced out. And I think he took a bit of um, excitement in telling me that he's, they went through the shed and everything's laid out, that the three chase trucks are all decked out with all the same gear now. Mm. And that's a really big learning curve for them. Um, and you, can, so, you can break one down if you need gear. Yeah. Is that, yeah. That, that, that's the idea? Yep. yep. But every truck is, is kitted with their spares boxes with nearly identical spares boxes, yep. tooling, yep. everything. And um, whilst you still might have to, to back chase and, and do stuff. but So my business, we do our bit for ourselves. Yeah, yep. Um, I'm lucky enough to have Wicked Energy here in Darwin. Vanessa come on board uh, only the other day. Awesome. I've been friends with uh, Wicked Energy and Vanessa for ages. There are, those that don't know, they're a supplements yep. and uh, health store. Um, I'm 50 years old, so I'm not as young as I want to be anymore. I can't deny that. But I've gone through the last couple of years, particularly because I work so heavily in the outdoors. Yep. I need to keep up with the young fellas. In fact, I need to be in front of the young fellas when I have teams working with me. <laughs> the only way to do that, I think, is to get on top of my health. And whilst I'm no gym junkie, I've started doing a bit of gym work. Yep. Real light stuff. Yep. Just to wake my body up. At 50, my shoulders are trashed. Mm. I had a motorbike accident on Mitchell Street, tore a left shoulder out. I had Sober, a, of course, too, probably. I actually was, mate. Oh. <laughs> and so was the other guy. <laughs> you would have been the only one on Mitchell yeah, Street that had a motorbike was. accident yeah. that was sober. I was on a uh. ATM uh, <laughs> 950 Super Enduro. Yeah. It was an awesome bike. Um, big monster, <laughs> way too big for me. But anyway, um, and, and then... I've torn a right shoulder out policing. Yep. Um, taken some people out. So I've got some injuries that I carry and yeah. I've decided now at my age I'm going to lose weight. I'm, I'm, I got down to 10 kilos lighter. I'm about 7 kilos lighter than I was last time I was in the States. I'm a lot fitter, a lot stronger. Yep. Um, Vanessa's gone through. We, we've got a whole range at Wicked Energy of um, some supplements we're taking over and... and you're having a good time. I'm sipping away on a on a BCAA drink, uh, which is essentially like an electrolyte and a muscle recovery type uh, drink. Uh, I also use a bit of pre-workout stuff as yep. well to get me through the day, cheating yep. a bit at my age. Oh, no, nah, it's not. just keeps you motivated. just keeps me going. Yeah. So I, I, I do it for night shift. It's, it's a great thing, and I, I mix it up. I, so I blend it out so I can space it out a bit so I don't have any of the, the mad gym attacks. Yeah, um, in the rush. And so she's looking after us with a whole heap of stuff. We've gone through the endurance. So we're talking a third... Baja for us this year is a 1,300 and roughly 20-mile race. Yeah. yeah. That's a long way. My first, and that's mile. That that's is mile. mile. That's mile. Yeah, for all our case. listeners. In one go. You don't get to stop for a, a sleep and start another day. There's no turnaround. It's non-stop. And that chase crew is... Is probably the, the crew that are most at risk because they're on the roads with all the other Mexicans. Yeah. Um, it's a long time. We've got 50 hours in total to finish that event. 50 hours is the max, mm. the top That's end. The cutoff is, yeah. So we're hoping for about 36. That's a long time. Yeah. We'll be racing non stop. Yep, absolutely. So I, I think at the moment the plan is 
Um, because of that length, I'm dropping in as second driver and I'll do uh, about 220 miles first run. Yep. Um, so that for, for the easiest conversion is here to Catherine. Yep. And looking at the map so far, if, if that's the, the leg Sean's got me pinned for, um, we'll go from the west coast of Baja Peninsula, Mexico. We'll head inland, mm. up and over the mountain range. Range, yep. Um, and drop down to the other coast, skip up the coast, back up the mountain range and cross back over to the other side. And that second crossing, Harry, is going to probably be at night time. Oh, good one. <laughs> and, and so we're going to have... Um, that's where Vanessa and I have been talking. We're going to possibly start getting some cold effect, some weathering effect. So it'll be warm during the day but not super hot. And um, uh, some of those peaks actually get snow on them. Yeah. So surely, like thinking outside the square here, you're quite a good crash test dummy for Vanessa because not many people, you know, there's sports that they probably have the supplements for yeah but at the same time it, it might be a, a marathon you know it, it might be a Cycle. um a, an iron man yeah. it might be a game of football mm. but to put someone in this scenario where it's awake for so long awake uh, and it's core strength it's not such an endurance it's, all, it's yeah. a different style of i've been doing out. a lot of core yeah yep. it's 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 probably just really really yeah. Um, we're only just he's talk- probably really intrigued by it. Yeah, what, we're only just talking to Rossi the other day about how his core strength. Yeah, yeah, like him in these old cars in yeah. the '86s. Uh, old core strength, core strength. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you're right, and I think she's quite excited by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow them on their Instagram, etc. You, hopefully, you'll see some pictures for us. But we're looking at essential mineral salts. Yep. So yep. I've got some salt chew tablets. Yep. Um, which we can flip in the in the race suit. And, and yep. chomp away at some essential salts. Something to see um, to get at. Yeah, try mm. and, and it'll also help me avoid any cramping. Yep. Um, the the Baja is totally different to Fink. Fink is a real balls to the wall race. Uh, Baja is so technical. Yep. So technical, and there's video clips galore of of people making a, a mess of it. Um, and it's not like earlier on today when we talked about exceeding a jump. It's about the fact you your wheel just drops off the side of a cliff face mm. and you drop 30 to 40 feet. That's it. Mm. And, and you're, you know, so far you're okay, but you, you do have a big tumble because you've yeah. got a, a 30 to 100 foot cliff face going vertical to your other side. Yeah. It's, it is true goat trails. And so the, the mental stamina is the biggest part, I think, of, of the Baja. Yeah. Being focused for so long. Yeah, yeah. so Vanessa huge, and I... Huge amounts of fatigue... Massive. Potentially dark, like the yes. you know second part of it, in the dark, you know mental state, tiredness, just just you know. Are you going to take some and of those? Oh, sorry, Perks. Yeah, no, you're right. I was going to say you're going to take some of that stuff over there and give it to the class twelve fellas in the little Volksies. <laughs> <laughs> those Volksies are the most amazing thing. No, they can no. They're not oh, I was going to say. I'm keeping my stuff. <laughs> So Vanessa's sending us up with some stuff. I've been yep. using a heap of stuff for ages anyway. Um, and we're also looking at some protein bars, which I know Toby uses lots of variations. So it'd be great to, to listen one day to Toby mm. and, and specifically nut down, just away from his racing and nut down into the prep work 
and the proteins and the things that he needs because those vests are not just for protection. They, they have a lot of food in those vests. Yeah. Mm. And so we're going to do the same. We'll, we'll carry a little bit of food with us and I'll put food in the chase trucks forward and backwards. So we're, we're testing this week. We're testing some of the protein bars yep. because I think it's really important to have something you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so encourages you, you to eat. Then you're yeah. gonna have it. Yeah. So I've stumbled across one called a Cliff Bar. Yeah, the Cliff Bars are good. So I was about to touch base on that because uh, my brother's quite into marathon cycling, yeah. done huge events, and, and um, I, I really can't do the gels. I can't. He goes, the gels are easy, and I said I just can't do them. And he goes, get these muesli bars. So I used to, you know, small small fry, obviously racing the Finks and the Enduros. Um, I could go and, and endure a drink, and yeah. then I'd usually like to take off with half a Cliff Bar. Yeah, just shove it in my mouth and just chew that. Yep. And I always found, I personally done better with something more solid in my belly. I didn't I didn't like the gels; they made me feel sick. And if it was just the water, I'd feel a bit crook, and especially with the shake up and, and that you're getting, you'd get that a lot in the cars. But I always felt nice having that muesli bar. I could get that in, and feel sort of. You know, obviously the nuts and the oats and that probably swell up a bit in your guts and feel make you feel like you're a bit more um, solid in your guts. But yeah, I definitely have the cliff bars when I when I race. Yeah, I think I'm similar. I, yeah. In fact, I'm not even gonna. I don't normally juice up before I get in the car, so I'll which is is not necessarily a good thing. But I'll, I'll drop off my fluids a bit before I get in the car, about an hour before, because there's nothing worse than having a bladder full, full, yeah, full yeah, and you're punching yeah. through the bumps and stuff. Uh, and I'll only probably really drink uh, if we've been out of the car for maintenance or something, come back in and then rely. And, and it's probably not the best way of doing it, but I'll rely on my recovery either side because I said I'll do 200 miles. And so the cliff bars I think are going to be great. I actually think I'm going to enjoy having, like you said, half a bar just before I get in the car and I'll have, stick the other half in my pocket and, um, and then keep on going through the race just run the water that's in the in the camel packs or the, mm -hmm. the new system sean's put in the car get out and have some of those supplements when i get to the other side and i'll dose up again on my salts and some of my bcaa's yeah, absolutely yep because i've got a over 10 hour wait until i get back in the car probably yeah mm. yep but good, I don't wait. Good, good time to... to no, you're still to, on edge because you're wanting to know, making sure that the car's going to be there when you go to get to the next point to jump who's in. Who's chasing? Yeah. So that's the other part of that sport is you have to then chase. So yep. you get out of the car and then you're chasing with the trucks yeah. to go further up. And Are but, you going to cut across a certain part of the peninsula to be able to get to the next point whereabouts you're going to jump back in or are you going to try and follow as much as you can? Uh, that'll be up to Sean. Okay. That'll be up to Sean. Um, there's There's a... Another day, there's other great stories about chasing across the peninsula. There's some awesome stuff yeah. out there. Yeah, But th we're hoping with Wicked Energy, they're going to help us out a bit with Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it sounds like you're on the right, the right path there. Mm. What I also find uh, disappointing is that the Institute of Sports in Australia is really good at picking up many of our other key sports. And when I was the Shadow Minister for Sports, I, I spoke with the Institute of Sports and... Uh, talked about stuff and then we ended up with the long um the michael long facility here um i think that motorsports we downplay the importance of our supplements yeah and uh chapman racing the chapman boys they got a, a stint with the institute of sports um but it wasn't a full package They'll, i don't think you'll really 
you'll struggle to ever get a full package with motorsports, mm. but some will get some extra support. And uh, the racing, the mental game in racing is very important. You've got to have this head ticked the right way when you get in. So if you haven't fed your gut right and prepared everything else right, your head's not in the right space. And then your driving's not in the right space. Yep. So there's a lot of, a lot of improvements I think any of the young up-and-comers can take from that. They can do their investigations into how they can better support themselves mm. because it is really important. Uh, riders, whether it's motocross or whether it's um, in the black trackers or whatever, up here in Darwin we have so much in the way of heat. You go out in the black track and they're copping a canin out there. They're losing so much fluid and it's just they can't put it back in enough. Yep. And... I think it's a really important part that's overlooked by so many of our young people. They get in the sport, they don't really look at it. Um, I've been sponsoring the Thorn Boys from South and they're in the Speedway. They've got more trophies you can poke a stick at. They're just awesome young lads. Um, again, that whole respect thing came out. But they, they have to do the same. They try and top up where they can. Perhaps few that further for their careers would be looking at the supplements yeah. and making sure you're getting the right stuff to come around because that'll be what will keep hopefully keep me a little bit better, especially now I'm older. Yeah, 100%. And, and I know Toby and that really get it already. Yep. And so I'm sure the pull wheel team over there mm. will be um, absolutely smashing as many of the proteins and things that they can get. Yep. You know? It's easy to get into the, the whole party scene idea. Yep. Although... The idea is there. I don't think anyone does that too much over there, to be honest. It gets a certain level of seriousness when you, you know, when you get to that stage. And I mean, I know I love the beer, but I think I was pretty didn't want it down at Fink that end. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. just need to try and stay alive. I nearly died today about a thousand <laughs> times. So <laughs> tomorrow is just about yeah, just yeah, supplements and that and whatever. Um, like my brother with his nutrition stuff was just lent, telling me what I should do and and just get. Get some um, get some carbs back in and get ready for the next day. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's going to be a great thing. Uh, partnering with them is going to be good. I I think um, the team's going to have a really hard run. It's from La Paz to Ensenada. It's uh, it's a big long run. It's the first time they've done it that way. Uh, hopefully we'll be there at the end. Um, it's it's like the thing in the sense when you say it's like the thing. You get the gong at the end is the first prize that you want. For sure. Yeah, sure. Um, even if it is tapping on the 50 hours. But, you know, that Can-Am we've got to go and play with, um, laced with the King Shocks, mm. that is a wicked bit of kit. Like Not like what we see here. It, they are a, a step ahead in, in the frames and how things run. And, uh, you know, Sean's just been telling me for the last couple of years, this thing's dialed. He's, he's done a few prologues where he's polled and it's really on point we talk about the nutrition and getting your head right the amount of time i've looked at the times for sean across a whole race and gone you know what that's three seconds a corner yeah to get to the front of a pack at the end of a thousand miles that's three seconds better into or out of that corner Mm. anywhere three seconds anywhere there yeah and so i've been talking with him about that lots uh this year i'm i'm teamed with uh bj butcher um 
and he and his wife are the owners of Vora. He was telling me the other day, uh, from a Navi point of view, 25,000 miles of racing under his belt and over 40,000 miles of pre-running. Wow. And that's my nap. Uh, wow. He spent a bit of time up and down. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Oh yeah. That's, I'm really excited yeah. to get in there and I headspace wise again, I, I actually I can nearly fall asleep before I get into a car. I don't know what you guys are like when you're about to jump on a bike. Yeah. But you're just that calm. I get that calm, it's stupid. Oh, it's good though. Yeah. That way you meant you men- mentally you know you're right to go. I'm just I I remember in 19, I was literally, I was sitting on the side rail, the sidebar of the car, trucks everywhere, just the most engineering-wise, there's stuff going off. And I've got my head resting on the, on the roof. And they're going, you're right? Yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> so I'm just trying to stay yeah. calm. Yeah, because your frame of mind's right, though. Yeah. Because yeah. when I punched that, that Can-Am, and, and I know it's not a trophy joke, but I tell you, it floats across the bumps like a bee. Mate, they're, they're, they're incredible bits of kit, mate. Even, you know, at the level, we ride the one in, in the shed non-turbo and, you know, took Dad for a spin the other day, like I said. Mm. Man, they go for what they are yeah. and they handle incredible, let alone having one that Dad is specifically well, made. Dialed so yep. well by King yeah, for yep. that. And yeah. on the bitumen, like in 2019 on the bitumen, Sean's car would torch all four tyres off the line on the bitumen. And, uh, and he's just raving about the fact. And we were doing a little over 88 miles an hour that year. And he's raving about the thing that he does 103 now in race yep. trim. Got to wheel up. I'm like, let's go. Yeah. We've got 400, roughly 400 miles of pre-running to do. Yep. yep. Um, in a four-seater. So I'm looking forward to that just as much. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a bit slower. Bit of fun with a few boys. Um, you know, and, and with... With BJ next to me, I'm, I'm hoping he's not going to be quite as scared as Eric, my former Navi. Um, but I know Eric had an awesome time in the Navi seat. I hope BJ has an awesome time. I hope, I hope we put the car on the track in a really good spot to hand it over. And yep. the final thing is to hopefully get Sean across the line at the end. Um, it does get distracting out there, though. You're yeah. in a new country. Oh, yeah. And you've got some yeah. awesome scenery. Mm. It would and be, yeah. At times you would find yourself probably drifting off and then reminding yeah. yourself to oh, concentrate shit, on what you're right. doing. To, yeah. And, and <laughs> Let alone, and, and that's, you know, another thing where I was talking about before, you're fighting fatigue, maybe, you know. Um, Concentration's not right. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'll have a look over there. And I even done it the other day. Dad and I, we went to Kakadu and find yourself all over the road driving home just because you're too busy looking out the window, seeing yeah. what's going on, yeah. like, you know. A racing scenario is the same. If we've got the time there, I we were with Eric, my Navi in 2019. We were cruising across this mountain range on a goat trail and um, poking it the best I could. And down off to the right was a massive drop into a ravine. Up to our left was another hill. And we were on a goat trail, you know, just enough for a trophy truck. And in front of me pops this, this most beautiful blue most beautiful blue of the ocean. And I go, Eric, Eric, look, look at that. How awesome is that? And he just starts freaking out. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not paying attention not to what you're doing. Not paying attention to the road that's about <laughs> to cut left. And if we don't make that, we'll go and we wouldn't even hit the, the ditch of the, the water. It was just going to be rocks everywhere. 
I go, oh, wow, that's awesome, Eric. How cool's that? He's going, turn left, turn left, turn left. What, what are you worried about, man? I, I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just, that, that split second, you just... It was just beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And no different to think, and in, I think in many of the motorsports, when we had a stoppage or something, um, the community would come barreling in from don't know where. I got no idea where these people come yeah, from. They just turn up. They just turn up and they're, what can we do? What can we do in, in mixed Mexican English? And they're helping you do stuff. You know, it's, um, it's an eye opener and the racing spirit. It is. It's just so fantastic. Yeah. You, so it's, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's a lot more technical than most people think. Um, as a result of races like the Baja and the Fink tied together through that sort of notoriety and, and mateship, we have started seeing more Americans come across. Yep. Uh, I mentioned more motorsports. They brought Bailey Cole over for this year's Fink. Bailey ran the trophy truck down to Alice, had a blast, um, had a crack and a little time in a, in a non-pro team. Yeah. Um, no, we, me and the boys um, said good day to him when we were walking through the scrutineering. Good. Oh, that's, you know, that he came make, over, he had all the AMS oil and all that stuff. He had all the, all the stickers and he was handing out the, had the eagle on it, like everything, the whole lot, all the stickers, yeah. and we started yapping to him. He's like, yeah, I'm over from the States. And, of course, the boys were trying to replicate his way of talking. <laughs> but, yeah, they got, a, they got a heap of stickers and, yeah, he was a yeah, nice fella. Nice. I, I think I haven't met him yet. I'll, I'll see him in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm guessing. But I, they seem to be really nice people, yeah. some mm. of them. And that's, again, that, that's that racing spirit. You know, yeah. we've met so many different people and talking. And Brett Kaminsky, as I said earlier, um, the last couple of years, you know, we, we'll be having dinner and Brett rocks on through the, the door, front door. Yeah. How you going? What are you boys doing? <laughs> yeah, we're just having a chill. Yeah. You want some food? You know? And yeah. You, you go and give them some tucker and they have a bit of feed. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh. Have a drink. Off they go to the next place to go and see some more people. Mm. So it's good and... It's hard also to catch up with people, but it is still For good. sure, mate. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Roscoe, before you go, mate, any, anyone else you'd like to thank as well as uh, Wicked NRG? I'd definitely like to thank Sean. Sean yep. Cook and the Cook family. Um, I will ask for nothing when I'm in America. And uh, true mateship, um, I've got to thank him and... I'll let him talk for all of his sponsors, but they're the people that um, make it possible for us to go and race there. Yeah. Um, we've already talked about my business yep. and, uh, yep. and Wicked Energy. My wife, who does not like racing. <laughs> but, uh, not many do. No. But again, she'll be the one looking after the home front and all our awesome. beautiful animals. Mm. Yep. Um, I, I unfortunately... Thank you guys too for having us come and no, chat. No, like, mate, it's no, been great. Pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. I'm no hero of this sport, so. No, but good endorsement of it. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, look, on behalf of talking Top End Talk, mate, thank you so much for, yeah. for um, just touching base when you did. Um, it's nice to hear that you obviously listened to our podcast and, and that you obviously had, um, you know, a good story yourself. And, um, you know, I'm sure our listeners are going to really get a kick out of listening to, to this podcast because mm. 
this really touches on a lot of stuff that we haven't been able to touch on <laughs> in other podcasts. Yeah, like um, there's so much more info on this. Yeah, yeah. And like um, I think I think our listeners are really going to get a good kick out of this. And mate, can't thank you enough for coming no. out to the studio, as you've probably heard on our other podcast, the old studio in the yes. living room at my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thanks to the old boy for. Jumping in, in. I was struggling to get him to talk there for a bit. Of, <laughs> no, no, no. I had, had to try and keep going, come on, Dad, no, no, you got to say on. something. But yeah, Rookie, shut up. No, oh, it was well. good to jump in and yeah, just yeah, see how you do it anyway. Right? Yeah, no, nah, thanks. Yeah, Harry. and yeah, the, like the Baja story, yeah, quite, quite interesting. Yeah, very well, interesting. Well, Harry, for a Victorian, you're a nice person. <laughs> I told you. I quite I told like you. Early on, there was a few good ones of us. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. But yeah. no, no, I appreciate it, mate, and um, giving everyone a bit of an insight on how you got to where you did and um, everything that goes on around it as well. Appreciate no, it. Thank you yeah. very much, guys. Really do appreciate it. Beauty, mate. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it, mate. And good luck at Baja, yeah, mate. Yes, and yeah, we'll look luck. forward to having you on the show again soon. Just send it. Yeah. <laughs> Upper. <laughs>